This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Master Dick, that must be quite a computer game to be worth tying up a $50 million computer. Not a game, Alfred. The game. Riddle of the Minotaur. It's really cool. Look, not only do you have to avoid all these traps, but you've got to solve all these riddles. What is the shortest distance between a point in Nome, Alaska and a point in Miami, Florida? Oh, a straight line. What else? Begging your pardon, young sir, but mightn't the answer on a globe be a curved line? Wasteland. Wasteland. My word. Oh, that. That's the hand of fate. When you make a mistake, it picks you up and takes you to another part of the maze. Doesn't Mockridge own a club downtown called the Wasteland? The Wasteland? Oh. Right. The Wasteland. I mean in the game. It's a dead end, see? Come on. Daniel Mockridge is walking into a trap. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Jordan from Smallville, Bad Cat Shipper. We are on episode 163. My name is Tim. I'll be the host for this episode, but joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, what's up? Uh, not much, but I'm, I'm curious, Tim. You know, since you finally, finally, finally got your um, PS4 Spider-Man bun- yes, bundle. Uh, <laughs> finally. I, I, I'm so curious as to what you think of the game. Yeah, Bill, I'll just say it's definitely been worth the wait. <laughs> I mean, just not only the game, but getting the limited edition Spider-Man bundle PS4 is pretty cool. I mean, I said before how I wasn't too crazy about the bright color red that it looked like from all the pictures. But getting the system and seeing it in person with that awesome Spider-Man logo, it looks pretty sweet. So <laughs> I'm not complaining about the red coloring of it at all. But Man, the game. Yeah, what we were talking about on our last episode and just how much fun you were having and just how I couldn't wait to play it. It's definitely delivering and all that. I'm having a blast playing it. And kind of like what you said, where I've kind of taken my time going through the main story of it because you just get distracted and playing those side missions and just swinging (laughs) across New York City because those graphics are amazing on it. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not, I'm about, I think 50% is what it says that I have completed so far. Um, and story-wise, the yeah. last thing I did was... Oh, spoiler alert for uh, spoiler Okay, alert. yeah, that's a good call, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm assuming everyone's beat it already since it took me so long to get yeah. it. <laughs> but good call, yeah, spoiler alert. But uh, nothing too major, but it's just where uh, Silver Sable appeared and her like armored forces that have been hired by uh, Norman Osborn. Yeah. Their first appearance, that's pretty much the last spot I left on. So oh, I see. Yeah, been doing that and just doing tons of side quests 
And if you're following me on Twitter, um, you know the mode that I've been falling in love with is the photo mode. <laughs> <laughs> Went a little too crazy last weekend, just taking a bunch of pictures of landmarks because one of the side quests is you go to different landmarks in New York, New York City, you take photographs of them. So like anytime it's a Marvel-related one, I take a picture and then taking selfies of the new costumes I unlock. So been going a little crazy with that. <laughs> but yeah, this... The whole package has been really, really good so far. I mean, the one, I'm not sure if I'm going to call it the ultimate Spider-Man game just yet because I haven't finished it, finished the game and completed it all. I'll wait for that before I declare it as that. And because there's another Spider-Man game, which we'll get to a little bit in our future topic, but <laughs> that I have as still the best. But there's not really too much for me to complain about. The only thing I will say is that as much fun as most of the side quests are, some of them are a little tedious. Like, just, I don't know, don't really, to me, I would picture having in a Spider-Man game, and that mainly deals with some of the burn missions you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, one, are, those are particularly particularly hard, um, <laughs> especially, like, when the bird goes up way, way high. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I learned you got to wait for it to come back down. Yeah, you just kind of. Yeah, kind of have to keep pace with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't go following it up the building. Jump over the building to the other side. Just just uh, run side, parallel to the to the building. Run around the building. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then the research missions, like those Harry Osborne stations you guys set up across yeah. New York City. Those ones are hit and miss. Some of them can be kind of fun, and some of them could be a little annoying. Yeah, <laughs> like the, there was the, another bird mission one. We had to like clean up the bird poop <laughs> yeah whereas like they've been contaminated and then you have to spray like this antitoxin so they don't contaminate anyone else in the park so yeah there's another one like that you have to um uh your you, you have to clean up the water um in a uh on the shore i guess so so you have to take these barrels that are in in the water poisoning the the water the ocean and you have to fling them um, onto the land to break them, but like okay. <laughs> you have to do it in such a way where you jump, and you have to hit a certain point, and then hit uh, L one R one to fling it, and it's just irritating. And then you have to, <laughs> after you do that, then you have to jump into the water, and I don't know if you swam in the game, Tim. But no, I haven't even attempted yeah, that yet. The, the swimming is super slow, so what you have to do is you have to jump constantly jump out of the water <laughs> jump out of the water and then um or what you can do is you can you know um you can jump from like a high point and do your your uh gliding thing and mm-hmm. and try to position yourself where you'll fall into the water where you need to put the antitoxin in uh, well i guess i got that to look forward to yeah. <laughs> as i progress <laughs> And so, but yeah, the majority of the other side missions are a lot of fun. I love taking the pictures of the landmarks, like I said, and then finding the backpacks just to see what little Easter eggs they have in there has been cool. And of course, stopping the street crime has been fun. And the, my only other complaint at first, but it's not so much anymore, was when I first started, I felt like just some of your standard thugs are a little bit too overpowered just by punching you, like two punches from them and you would be dead. <laughs> So, yeah, they're a little too overpowered for especially how strong Spider-Man should be. But I kind of leveled myself up enough and built up my skills to 
have it be comfortable whereas that's not an issue anymore yeah <laughs> but that, those are my only two nitpicks so far but story's been really great so far i mean i think i just i don't know how long it is so hopefully i'm just kind of at the middle point but there's been some cool stuff in there and the performances by uh, the actors playing spider-man mary jane octo octavius if i can say his name right yeah <laughs> and so all of these like, characters that peter's been interacting with both that spider-man and just peter parker has been really really cool so yeah i'm loving it yeah, I'm a little, I mean, it's a great game, but um, story-wise, I'm a little bit soured on it um, mm-hmm. after the introduction of a certain character. Okay. Uh, I thought it was way too fast, and uh, what, I mean, I mean, I guess I'll spoil it for you, Tim. I mean, it's obvious uh, well, if- that's, what was that? I was going to say, is it regarding Octavia's? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Something we could all see coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course okay. you can see it coming. So what I would recommend for you, Tim, is, or what I realized was I wasn't going back to his his lab and listening to all, all of his uh, recordings. Oh, okay. See, I have been doing that. Yeah. So when he becomes... A villain. <laughs> Sorry, I wonder Tim, what his I name's going to be. What, what super villain names are you going to go with? I know I'm spoiling this for you, but uh, when he becomes a villain, it kind of felt out of place. Um, and I'm not spoiling this for you, Tim, because you've probably already seen it. It's the part where... Um, well, I haven't seen any cutscenes of anything like that happening. Um, you have. It's uh, the, the, the E3 uh, gameplay. Was it E3 or was it Gamescom? Uh, uh, well, like that trailer where he's at uh, the Raft prison? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So that scene hits and then it's like, you know, Octavius is, is Dr. Octopus, you know? Mm. And it's like, I, I it, it kind of rushed it for me because I wasn't going back and listening to all of the, the um, recordings. So uh, that's my only nitpick. Gotcha. Well, yeah. hopefully with me listening to the recording, it won't feel as rushed <laughs> as it did yeah. because, yeah, there are kind of hinting at that with some of those recordings I've been listening to. So, and it, like you said, even without that, just the fact that he's in the game, you know yeah. what's coming, <laughs> what's down the road for him. So. <laughs> and um, did you finish all of Black Cat's um, uh, side missions? No, not yet. About halfway through. Oh, okay. Uh, f- finish those because you get a really cool suit. Okay. After that. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's the other thing. Locking those suits too. I mean, I'm really glad it had the option right away. Just that you can pick whatever suit you want. Because I wasn't a big fan of the you know default suit that they've been advertising that Spider-Man oh, has. One. In this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that you could just go ahead and start with your classic Spidey suit as soon as he gets that new one is awesome. Because I've been sticking with that classic Spider-Man suit. But yeah. then once I unlocked his. MCU suit from you know, uh, Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming. That's the one I've been sticking with for the really? most part. Oh, yeah, I love the, that the, costume. The, um, what is it called? The the, the Stark suit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, have you unlocked the Infinity War one? Yeah, uh, that came with I think pre-ordering. Oh, it. okay. That one is cool because if it's night and you're next, to, you're crawling on a building, you can see the the, the light from the eyes on the building. Oh, cool. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't think I've worn it that night yet, so I might yeah. have to do that the next time. 
Yeah. I love too that each different costume gives you a unique special power or ability to use during combat. Uh, you can uh, change uh, change them out. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome because I thought, okay, you have to be that particular suit right. to get that special ability. But no, you can pick whatever suit you want and choose whatever ability that comes with that suit, which is awesome. I've been using uh, – I go back and forth between the Stark one where it has that you know, drone that comes out. It suits out a bunch of electrical shocks at yeah, the enemies. Yeah. And then the one that's part of the classic Spider-Man suit where he jumps in the air and just fires tons of webs at him and just webs pretty much the whole area up. So those are my two go-to ones right now that I've been using the most. Yeah, I've been using the um, spider arms from the um, uh, the the Infinity War suit. And what um, costume are you using for most of the time? I'm using either the Infinity War, the Stark suit, or the um, the one you get from Black Cat. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking, the when the spider arms come out, the spider legs come out. It looks yeah. it looks cool when it's on the Infinity War suit. But I'm wondering how it would look coming out of like <laughs> the standard Spider-Man costume. Doesn't look as Star- good, Tim. Yeah. But, but I mean, it gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, how have you? First of all, I don't know if you beat it yet. Have you? No, it's not like you did. I'm, I'm about eighty something percent done. Okay. Um, yeah, more than likely, I'll probably beat the main story before I do every single side quest and then go back and finish all the side quest stuff. That's what I usually do with, or yeah. did with the Arkham games and most games that have features like that. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to beating it. I just hope the main story doesn't go by too quick and it's too short. And then the majority of it's just the side quest stuff. Not that it'll be the worst thing in the world, but I'm just hoping there's more story substance and then more side mission substance to it. But we'll see. But right now I think it's, at least how I'm playing through it. I've been doing a nice balance where it doesn't seem like one's overshadowing the other too much. Have you... Okay, I think I, I have to be very careful here. <laughs> um, have you played as that character that's not Mary Jane yet? Mm, yeah, during that one big sequence kind of in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with, uh, with Osborne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I didn't. Well, not, well, not necessarily Osborne. Well, he's involved, but yeah, not Osborne. Um, uh, Miles. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I didn't expect that we would be playing as him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So so what I'm I, I guess what I, my question is is do they exist in the same universe? Miles now they and, do. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, before it was just, you know, the ultimate universe where Miles Morales was at. But then they had one of their big events that a bunch of the universes crossed over or <laughs> connected yeah. with each other. So now he's part of the main Marvel 616 universe. Oh, I see. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because I, was, I A, I didn't expect it and B, I didn't think that they were part of the same universe because isn't Miles Morales part of the ultimate is it ultimate? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, ultimate yeah, that's where he originated from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Which, I don't know, it was cool that it had that, but I got a little worried that, uh-oh, this signaled the end of Peter Parker, and then the rest of the game was going to be with Miles Morales. Yeah. Because yeah. there's been certain games in the past that did that that was kind of disappointing. Namely, the one that comes to mind for me is Halo 2, where you're – go between Master Chief and the Arbiter is like, I kind of just want to play as Master Chief. <laughs> There's been other games that have done that as well. It's always kind of annoying where the character you expect to be playing is kind of plays, you know, second fiddle 
And Metal Gear Solid 2 is another example. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a famous example. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, finally, we get another Metal Gear, and you, you, you play as um, somebody you've never seen before, somebody that's yeah. badly designed, <laughs> <laughs> somebody that doesn't look very good. <laughs> uh, one of the levels, he's running around naked. <laughs> when he does a, a somersault, he has to cover himself with his hands as he does the somersault. Speaking of uh, naked, you, you do – there is a scene, and I'm sure you've seen screenshots where um, – I'm not going to tell you what leads up to it, but uh, there's a thing that happens, and then Peter wakes up, and he's wearing nothing but the Spider-Man mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't gotten to that or seen anything. Yeah, that, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, oh you haven't seen the screenshots? No. Like I said, I've stayed away from a lot of – yeah trailers and screenshots and footage from it since the last e3 that was the last thing i saw for it so i can experience everything firsthand once i actually play the game so yeah and um another i guess compliment i can put towards the game is that um we're not doing the uncle ben thing uncle ben mm-hmm. is referenced later on in the game and, and for good reason and it, it feels natural rather than you know we have to go through that whole story again yeah you know? so that's good, yeah, because at the same time, like, we know Uncle Ben's story. It's been told a lot in a lot of different Spider-Man mediums. So, But at the same time, too, it shouldn't be completely ignored and forgotten because it is so important to Spider-Man as a character and why he does what he does as a hero. So it shouldn't be completely ignored, but it just doesn't have to be retold from, you know, for every detail every time. So the fact that they acknowledge it and, you know, show how important it is to Peter is always good. So I've seen a little sprinkles of that type of uncle ben stuff what kind of just when you're looking around at may's office you look at pictures and all that so if there's more to it that comes that comes up later on in the story that should be cool yeah and you know i i mean i guess this is the last thing i'll say because this is i mean it's a great game and you should go out and buy it but i guess the the final thing i'll say is i i i really like how they do the web slinging because if you if you're just you know, in between missions, you're doing a side mission. It's not a rush. You know, you, it, you can take it slower. It feels slower, right, as, mm-hmm. you, as you're going throughout the city. But then if you're chasing somebody, like um, the, the side missions with the car chases, then it's, uh, for, for some reason it feels faster. And I don't know, I guess just that sort of two different perspectives is, uh, I, f- I feel like they've done a really good job with that. No, definitely. Yeah. And just the different ways, like you said, you can't control your speed. So if there's a standard swinging, you can hold X to make it swing faster. And then you just hit the X button without holding the swing button where it just like shoots you out like a few feet at a nice speed. I mean, if you yeah. level up, you can do it twice. And then from that, you can go through your standard swing, which picks up the pace and helps a lot in those chase missions and chasing those birds, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can hold this man to yeah. get his birds back. Uh, I hope he appreciates it when I get all those birds to it. <laughs> Seems like he will, though. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my thoughts on Spider-Man PS4. It's awesome. Can't wait to, you know, this is all I've been playing uh, since I got yeah. it. It's been a blast. Kind of looking forward to completing the story, but not so <laughs> because I don't want it to end. But there will be plenty of side missions, I'm sure, to keep me busy for a little bit. Yeah, so, I, mean, uh, I mean, so far it's my it's the best game I've played this year. Um so far because we still got red dead redemption two uh yeah. next month so yeah those two are going to be probably neck and neck and then yeah. 
for me, Smash Brothers is the next big game that after Red Dead I'm probably picking up this year. But it's obviously totally different styles. So <laughs> you can't really compare those ones. But yeah, so Spider-Man are sharing more of our thoughts on it. Dane again, but me for the first time today. It's going to lead nicely into our feature topic for this episode. But before we get into that, as always, we got to continue on with our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. So as always, pick up your relevant media formats, VHS, Betamax, DVD, Laserdisc, um, your studio projector, your Blockbuster video membership card, which I don't know, Dane, <laughs> Blockbuster is going to be making a comeback if Captain Marvel has anything to say about it. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, she crash lands in a in a Blockbuster. So, yeah, the movie takes place in the 90s. So it's yeah. also that that's one of the main locations they do in the movie to show that it's from the 90s. But who knows? Maybe if it's as popular as, you know, all the Marvel movies seem to be when they come out. Blockbuster might make a comeback. <laughs> this will be the relaunching of Blockbuster Video. <laughs> That'd be the most unlikely thing, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> if, if for some reason Blockbuster comes back because of Captain Marvel, yeah, it could be the first movie they rent out again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Captain Marvel looks really cool. I can't wait for that one yeah. in March. So yeah, get that, and then of course the main one, your VHS to DVD converter. I mean. You can't you can't watch anything without that. So, it's, uh, I'm done with Blu-ray, Tim. Yeah, I'm done with the the 4K. I'm not watching a movie unless it's VHS to DVD converted. I'm sorry, Tim. I can't it's, do it. It's video quality perfection. I mean, why even bother with anything else? I mean, <laughs> for a time it was. <laughs> So we are going from the 111th minute to the 112th or on the counter on the DVD player <laughs> or the uh, – I'm trying to think. Um, like I said, I watched it. We were just talking about it before we started recording, how we watched Dark Knight Rises for our commentary. I just used the DVD that came with the Blu-ray. It's been kept in my PC for – we just want to come out in fall of 2012, so about six <laughs> years now. <laughs> it's been sitting in there. And so and then the, just the media format that I've been using, it's on the one hour and 51st minute mark. So I'll go ahead and give the countdown. You ready, Dane? Yep. Three, two, one, go. And it was Blake and... That's this. really loud. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear anything. But. Okay. Well, good thing it wasn't an action sequence as Blake is just taking those agents to meet Miranda Tate and Lucius Fox in yeah. secret. <laughs> And and like we've said before, it's uh, do we really need this sequence sort of sequence? You know? Yeah, I say no. But again, I know it's for to put the suspicion out there that someone is a mole and a traitor to them. And who can yeah. it be? And plus, too, I I, I think uh, Miranda Tate needs a little more screen time if she's going to be the bad guy at the end. True. So. Yeah. And of course, there was really no, uh, at least when I was first seeing it, when they were talking about a mole or who's behind this who betrayed us i mean of course it was miranda <laughs> from yeah the rumor reports we heard before i actually see the movie about Tal- herbie and talia and this is where all of you know their plan doesn't even get to put into motion if <laughs> they get attacked right here but we'll have to see the attack in our next episode because the minute oh, is no. it's gonna be a long wait i know dang but <laughs> I, I don't know what happens next yeah <laughs> I mean, I'll try not to spoil it for you over the course of these next two weeks. Yeah. I mean, at least I got to see uh, Morgan Freeman. 
That's a <laughs> yeah. great thing. It, yeah, it has been a while since he popped up in the commentaries <laughs> that we've been doing. So, yeah. yeah. What was his last scene? Was it that cool? Um, you think it's a construct, construct, construction site? Sorry. And they go into the trailer, and then the trailer goes down. Was yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, I remember right. Yeah, the uh, what's that thing called? Oh, the um, the clean energy. Yeah, the clean energy device. Energy. <laughs> I'm sure there's a yeah. real name it has, but <laughs> they just get referring to it as a clean energy. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for our Dark Knight Riders minute by minute commentary, and we can move into our featured topic, which I alluded to when we were talking about Spider Man PS4. Um, as great as that game is and you know for the last few years has been a good amount of great comic book based video games which isn't always the case <laughs> in the course of its history when it comes to comics and video games or comic book characters and video games so uh, i thought a cool feature topic would be a countdown of our top five all-time favorite video games that are based on comic book characters so yeah this is covering all sorts of video games you know from any console back from the NES days to arcade, just to any game that featured a comic book character that we just loved. So, um, yeah, actually, this was kind of hard for me to narrow down. I kind of thought it would be easy, but as I was thinking about the games I played and going through a list of all comic book-based video games on the internet, just in case there's anything I forgot, there was quite a lot that were been really good. And just to narrow down five that were my absolute favorite was, you know, a little bit of a challenge, but I was able to narrow it down and. I guess I'll just go ahead and start with my number five pick. And this is going to be, I mean, expect <laughs> a good portion of, you know, Batman games on here <laughs> to round out my top five. So the first one at number five is going to be The Adventures of Batman and Robin on the Super Nintendo. And first off, Dane, I know I'm a bit older than you. Have you had much experience playing Super Nintendo games at all? No, not Super Nintendo. Any mm-hmm. uh, ass? Skip Super Nintendo, Genesis. I went to Genesis, uh, Dreamcast. Gotcha. So yeah. you you were in that 16-bit era, with, but you were just on the Genesis side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, side. unfortunately, I had the losing the, side. Yeah, I bought the wrong, <laughs> the wrong system. Even though it did have some great games on the Genesis, but couldn't compare yeah. to the Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that batman and robin game and this is you know before the arkham games came out the batman games always had a bad rap as far as none of them being good and some people would always forget to mention this one as being one of the really truly great ones in its day and out of the out of my top five that are on this list this would be the only game that's will actually be based off events um that it's based off of of course this being the animated series and what i love about it is that it did such a great job of taking specific episodes of batman the animated series and making them into really fun levels in the actual game. I mean, the first one is you face off the Joker. And it's pretty much a combination of the episodes Be a Clown and Christmas with the Joker. Because you start off um, going into like a toy factory. You're fighting those big nutcracker soldiers just like the Christmas with the Joker. And then when you get to the boss of that stage, which of course is the Joker, you fight him on the roller coaster like you did in the episode Be a Clown. And there's other levels that are like that. There's one with the Scarecrow, which is pretty much based on Nothing to Fear which is really cool. And you got one with uh, Penguin, which was, that was one of the few that wasn't a direct adaption. There was certain elements to, um, I've got Batman in my basement <laughs> regarding to that, uh, I believe that Condor, that Vulture he was after. <laughs> I think it plays a role in that level. And then my favorite one of that game is when they adapted the episode, If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? Which is the one with the Riddler and the Maze of the Minotaur game. And 
that one had to be in this game because that whole episode <laughs> revolving around the video game that Edward Nigma created in uh, Maze of the Minotaur. And it's just they just did a great job of putting that whole end sequence of Batman and Robin going through the maze and making that the level. And just fun going through, uh, trying to figure out where to go. And you actually have to solve the same riddles that were in the episode. So it made it easy for me being the Batman animated series nut <laughs> that I've always been. Like what it asks you, uh, the, the which key to use. And Robin figures out that it's a musical puzzle and knew exactly which one to put in there. And then, of course, the final one where you have to ask the, the mentor ask you, you know, the riddle that ends up being the human brain. <laughs> and you just type in the initials HB and that was it. And then you get to the final boss. And that was another one that combined two episodes. Because after you answer the Minotaur's riddle, it takes you to the other Riddler episode, What is Reality, where you're on the chessboard and you see that virtual reality version of the Riddler where he has his like head and his hands are trying to attack you. Just tons of great stuff. And yeah, now that I'm thinking about the episode, if you're so smart, why aren't you, are you, why aren't you Ridge? I mean, it's just such a great video game themed episode. Because that moment where Robin is actually, or Dick is playing the actual game Maze of the Minotaur on the back computer, and Alfred kind of questions him, <laughs> like, "Are you sure you should be, you know, using that the fifty million dollar computer on a video game <laughs> when it should be used for other things?" And there's a, actually a pretty funny YouTube video that's out there where it's footage of dick playing the game it's everything's the same except when the game uses its sound effects someone who created the youtube video put mario sound effects like, like the coin sound the mushroom sound when you get it it just gives it that classic nintendo feel to it when you see dick playing it <laughs> i thought that was funny so yeah this game was a great you know probably the best version of batman and robin in a video game that I played at up to that point. The graphics were really cool. I mean, it wasn't cell shaded because the Super Nintendo really couldn't do that, but it, the art style for it really captured the look of the animated series. And it was one of those old school games where uh, you would have lives and continues, but once you ran out, you know, you couldn't save it and restart. You remember Games Day where they gave you passwords at the end of a level where <laughs> you would have to write down the right. password in order to restart from where you left off? This was one of those games. Yeah, it, was like, it, it, it wasn't a thing where, like, after you beat the level, it you could automatically go back to it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the password system it used was weird. Like, it, you had to write down a lot of stuff. And it wasn't just numbers or words. You had, it was like these shapes. It was like circles, like triangles, squares. And there were different colors, too. So you had to make sure you got the color right and the shape right. And... Uh, when you didn't have any iPhones to take a picture of the screen at the time, you'd have to write it down. You'd have to like draw the shape, the color that it was. So, kind of, kind of was a hassle to get to the level you last made it. But uh, it wasn't a very long game, but still tons of fun to play when you go through all those levels again. And I remember the last one was really cool because that's pretty much. I think it's just called Gauntlet, if I remember right. And you're just playing through a level where you just fight a bunch of Batman villains, some bosses that you played in previous levels. And then some new ones like Man Bat's in there. And then the final boss is another fight with the Joker. This is a really cool Batman, the animated series game that captured what you loved about the show. And was just a fun Batman game in general. So that one is my number five pick. Um, are, are, is there an order to it or are we just naming our favorite? I'm going to go in order as far as okay. my number five to my absolute number one all-time favorite comic book game. All right. So my number five is... 
uh, Batman the video game, the the original NES um, uh, version choice. of it. Don't remember anything about it, but if I remember correctly, the reason why I bought it, well, I mean, it was Batman, and B because it was like it looked like Contra. that's why i bought it um yeah i I don't remember anything else about it i I, I, all i remember all i remember was that i had the original mario and of course duck hunt because they 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 came on the same cartridge of course yeah (laughs) you can have one without the other (laughs) i had um batman the video game so yeah yeah, the only reason that one isn't on my list is just because, you know, there's been other Batman games since then that kind of overshadowed it or were better. But, man, it was a great first Batman game to experience. And, man, I've talked about before how much I love that soundtrack. It is phenomenal. I put it up there. It's just one of the great Batman soundtracks in general. That opening level theme, of Gotham City Streets, is classic it's one of my favorite batman theme songs ever so i mean just based on his soundtrack alone i think it's worth it so yeah cool choice there so if you had a choice would you pick that soundtrack or would you pick the soundtrack from the animated series oh why do you ask me such <laughs> tough questions Dave? <laughs> because i like to see you squirm tim <laughs> uh, Oh, man, you see, I'll probably go with the animated series because it has more songs to it. A lot of great songs. But, man, I just love that Gotham City Street song so much. (laughs) It'll be hard. That's not on a soundtrack. But, yeah, I guess if I had to choose, it'll be the animated series. Oh, okay. So it isn't your favorite soundtrack, Tim. (laughs) I didn't say it was my favorite. I said it's one of my favorites. It's it's, got to be recognized as one of the best Batman soundtracks. out there in my opinion regardless if it's a tv show movie or video game it's just awesome okay okay you <laughs> you, you somehow sort of dodged the bullet <laughs> barely <laughs> all right so my number four pick and of course i couldn't have a top five video game comic book based list without featuring the teenage mutant ninja turtles on there and this one was actually a tough choice between two turtles games because there's the classic arcade one, which I've spent a lot of time and quarters on at a local supermarket <laughs> playing that game. It's amazing. It's a classic. But I'm going to give my number four spot to Turtles in Time. And this one was in the arcades, but I didn't play it too much at the arcades. I actually played it a lot. Again, this is going to be another Super Nintendo game. And it's one of the first Super Nintendo games I've actually ever played. And you know what? Scratch that. It might be the first Super Nintendo game I played because, no, it's not. I can't stand corrected. My cousin got a Super Nintendo, and we went over to her house and played Super Mario World. That was the very first one, but not too long after that. Um, it's funny. This is a story where uh, we were having, we're having a – like at this time, he wasn't a friend, but he was someone who went to our church. And we just very – you know, try to get to know different uh, kids our age there. My mom kind of set up – with his mom to have him come over our house to hang out and he brought a super nintendo and he brought the turtles in time and man we played that <laughs> to death we played that game and then later when another friend of ours came over he brought street fighter 2 and that <laughs> that became a friday tradition at our house for a long time <laughs> playing turtles in time in the day and then street fighter 2 at night but uh, a friend who brought it over he became 
one of our good friends for years after that. He's the one uh, I played in the band with. He was a guitar player. So it all stemmed from this one time of him coming over and bringing the Super Nintendo and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. <laughs> so just that alone, I got to be thankful for that game. But it's just, you know, still the standard when it comes to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games. It's uh, just their side-scroller brawler, which was pretty big during those days. But it's like side-scrolling brawling perfection. <laughs> I mean, the graphics on it are really, really good, both arcade and the Super Nintendo version. The co-op on it's really fun, and just the whole theme of the Turtles traveling through time is what makes it the best Turtles game, because you just get so much in it. There's a different location. You go to dinosaur periods, you're on a pirate ship, on a locomotive train, you go to the future, um, and you're flying on these these futuristic skateboards in a level, and the combat's really fun. The only thing that the Super Nintendo version didn't have was four-player co-op because <laughs> Super Nintendo only had two controller ports in the system. But playing two players was almost just as fun. But um, yeah, so that game was anything a Turtle fan can want. <laughs> and just from visually, the different villains, bosses you got to face in the game, and the gameplay was so much fun. Like I said, combat. And one of its cool features was that how you could take a flip, foot soldier in a, a battle and you just flip him and throw him at the screen. It's almost like a 3D effect without 3D on there. And it was actually a gameplay mechanic that you had to use to defeat uh, one of the bosses when the first time you fight Shredder while he's in the Technodrome. So <laughs> this is a lot of great stuff in that Turtles game. So that one is going to be my number four pick. Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree with you, Tim, for all the reasons why you said. Um, I wish they would uh, reissue it. I wish oh, they would remaster it um, officially. Official yes. good <laughs> remaster because I you know ever played the... that remaster one in two thousand nine. No, I haven't. Yeah, you're not missing much. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was Why, such what, a disappointment. What uh, did they do to it? The graphic design, the new art style, mm. was not good. I did not like it at all. I mean, I just love the animated comic book style that the original version had. They just changed this one to just your typical three D models, and it just did not look good at all and then the controls didn't feel as tight either as the arcade and super nintendo version did as well so and what's cool i mean this might happen if we do get a true uh remastered version of it that's based on the arcade the super nintendo version is actually a superior version in my opinion despite not having the four-player co-op because there's um one no just one additional level because you go in the technodrome in the Super Nintendo version, that's the level where I was talking about where you fight the foot soldiers and throw them into the screen to hit uh, hit Shredder. That level is not in the arcade version. And then the Super Nintendo version and the dinosaur level, you fight uh, the villain Slash, who's a great Turtles villain. And in the arcade one, you just fight this, I think, created character for the game. It's like this blob of mud <laughs> who kind of goes into the ground and comes up to attack you. So it wasn't as good as fighting Slash. So the... Super Nintendo version, I think, is the best one. But at this point, I just want a reissued version of that arcade version. That's all we'll get because I just want some of Turtles in Time. (laughs) I mean, my ultimate wish is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade collection where you get the first 1989 arcade game and Turtles in Time. I mean, I I don't care how much it would cost. I'd get that game (laughs) no matter what. So hopefully Konami can somehow work something out with the team getting the rights or licensing for the ninja those two ninja turtle games because i'm sure that's what the holdup is konami doesn't hold the rights to turtles and video games so yeah yeah i mean i yeah i'm with you i want i I just want a good remastered version of turtles (laughs) in time i mean i put it this way tim 
I don't own a Nintendo Switch, right? If they put out the original and Turtles in Time on Nintendo Switch exclusively, I would go out and buy a Switch. <laughs> just I for did that. the same thing if I didn't have it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but unlike you, Tim, uh, like I said before, I didn't have a Super Nintendo because I wasn't a rich kid like you were. Uh, <laughs> it took me a long while to save up money because I actually had a Super Nintendo on a Kmart layaway for a long time. <laughs> so that's why I was fortunate where I had friends who'd come over and bring it yeah, yeah. a lot. So. Um, I think I've told this story before. Um, the only, none of the arcades had Turtles in Time. The only place that had um, Turtles in Time was Chuck E. Cheese. For some reason, I don't know why. They also had the Die <laughs> well, Hard game there. Um, it makes sense. Turtles, pizza, Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, <laughs> How could they not have a turtle game? <laughs> I guess so. Spent a lot of time at Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid. <laughs> not not <laughs> for birthday parties or or not for the animatronic yeah, music animatronic. show, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> because I wanted to play Turtles in Time. So yeah, my number four pick is Turtles in Time. Did you get a lot of tickets from playing it? <laughs> or is that one of those? <laughs> I don't no, remember. I don't think so. I don't think that was one that gave tickets for Yeah. I was yeah. just thinking like standard arcade games and they really give tickets. You had to play like those ball Yeah, the ski ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man, I remember one time we'd save like up a bunch of our tickets and like over the years <laughs> as we were kids, we had like a bag full of those tickets and we just had enough to get a Chucky doll. Really? Yeah, so. Like a thousand tickets or something. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, why that? I mean, how, Cause it was, how come you didn't, like, okay, so you're going to get this portion of tickets that we've combined, and then you're going to get this portion, and then Tim is going to get this, and then we can, we can all split <laughs> it equally and get something moderate. Because you probably just figured the... Wanted to get the most expensive one on there. Yeah. <laughs> just to say we could, and then that's what the doll was. So. <laughs> it's like, okay, so we have a Chuck E. Cheese doll now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it's sat on the bed for a little, for a while. <laughs> Probably still have it somewhere <laughs> in wow. storage. In a bed. Wow. <laughs> one thing about us and my, me and my brother, we never get rid of anything. Apparently. <laughs> <Unless we> <laughs> if you're willing to keep a um, Chuck E. Cheese doll. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure somewhere you, hit, you you still have some old tickets. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> it's probably in the same bin with the Chuck E. Cheese doll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but something that wasn't at Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> my number three pick, and we're kind of going a little more modern here, but this game's over 10 years old now, but uh, my pick is going to be Marvel Ultimate Alliance for the Xbox 360. And this is probably the ultimate marvel game hence the title <laughs> ultimate alliance i was really excited for this game before it came out and then when it did and actually play it man it delivered on being the ultimate marvel gaming experience it was just really cool to be in a top-down rpg beat-em-up game and i believe it was developed by uh raven studios who were kind of known for doing games like that and i believe they did the x-men legend games that came out uh two years before this one but and this game was just 
packed with Marvel Easter eggs, Marvel characters, the levels. This is pretty much a deep dive into Marvel history before you know the MCU even got started <laughs> to be you know be brought to a more wider base for you know, anyone who's playing the games. And the, the character selection was really good. There's this, pretty much all the big Marvel characters were in there to choose from. And of course, you know, not everyone's going to make it, but I think you'd be hard pressed not to find a character that you would want to play. Even if someone picked a character you were hoping for, there'd be another one who was like your second or third favorite. <laughs> uh, I, of course, I always went with Spider-Man and thankfully no one else did. So <laughs> I was always a Spider-Man guy. <laughs> but yeah, just the character roster was great. And then once the DLC hit, there's even more characters to choose from. But the gameplay on it was really fun and addictive, especially in co-op. Playing that game four-player co-op was lots of fun. And just, like I said, the levels they chose was just going across the Marvel Universe. I mean, you start off on the Helicarrier. Then you go into the Sanctum Sanctorum for Doctor Strange. You go to Atlantis for Submariner. You go on to uh, Asgard. You visit uh, – I'm trying to think of the planet. I don't know if it's the – exact planet name but it's one of my favorite boss fights where you have to fight uh galactus and it's kind of like a chase battle where uh he's kind of chasing i don't know if, see now i have it's been a while since i played it if he's chasing you or you're kind of chasing him to attack him but it's one of those levels where it's always moving and then you go visit the shiar empire which of course big ties to the x-men lore and the mkron crystals a mission you got to take and the whole story about you trying to stop dr doom was really cool and the cutscenes on it at the time I remember just blowing me away. So Marvel Ultimate Alliance is up there as one of my favorite video games just for what a complete package it is when it comes to character roster, addictive gameplay and leveling up your characters, unlocking different moves, the story, cutscenes, everything about it was really, really cool. And they about a year or two ago they remastered it for Xbox One and PS4, which I got. It looks cool, but the only downside is I didn't remaster the cutscenes in hd at all so when you watch them that's you know it's not in hd and the quality doesn't hold up as it did back in 2006 but definitely a game that's worth revisiting and i kind of want to do it again i never got to play too much of it with the remaster but i just wanted to have it because it comes with that one and the second one which is based off the civil war comic book but i don't think was a in my opinion wasn't as good as the first so yeah definitely marvel ultimate alliance is my in my top three at number three it's really a great comic book game, especially if you're a Marvel fan, obviously. It's weird because we're going back and forth and we're kind of picking the same kind of thing, Tim, because uh, my number three is, and I'm sticking with the arcade, uh, is <laughs> Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Ah, um, nice. Played a lot of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in, <laughs> in, uh, in the arcade. Um, I remember... And I'm not sure if this is just for nostalgic reasons, but I remember, I don't know if you had the same the same problem, but when you would go into the arcade and then you'd see that one guy that would never lose and then you uh-huh. had to wait because you didn't want to play that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that always happened to me. Um, <laughs> this guy was really, really good with uh, Iron Man, um, I think Hulk. Cyclops, Cyclops, I remember. (laughs) His optic blast always getting you. (laughs) Yeah, Cyclops would always, 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 Tim. I'm talking 100% of the time, I'll lose, I'll lose. Um, So who was was your three characters that you go to? hmm. Uh, First off, Venom. Venom was my best. Okay. Um, uh, War Machine. Really like War Machine. Uh, 
uh, and finally Akuma. Because oh, okay. I, I just liked how cool he looked. <laughs> That's the whole reason. Yeah. Uh, my go-to are always uh, Ryu, Spider-Man, and the third one would always switch. Uh, it's either Gambit or yeah. oh, I forget his name, but he's a Capcom character. Uh, he had like kind of like a lightsaber sword. <laughs> it was like a lightsaber, but it was a sword that was highlighted blue. I forget his name. Kind of like a white T-shirt and like a he- white headband. Uh, was, it, was it? Was it? Uh, it wasn't Japanese. Yeah, it wasn't Strider, because Strider's the one with the red mask and the purple outfit. It wasn't him, it was another character. Uh... Like I go back and forth between him and Gambit as my third character on my team. It wasn't the the um uh... See, I don't even know what game he's from. Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just the first time I seen him was from Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I Continue on, Dane. I'm going to look up the roster real quick. <laughs> yeah, so would always lose when that guy was playing. Um, was kind of good with Venom. Uh, also good with Cable. The only reason why I played with Cable is because he had guns. I figured... Dude, his beam, man. One of those that big purple beam. <laughs> right, right. I figured, doesn't need to come near me. So, I mean, I can stay far away. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, just... Just, I remember having so much fun playing this game, especially after school. There, there was an arcade on my way home, so I'd always stop in there and play. Um, a lot of my lunch money, I wouldn't spend on <laughs> lunch. I would, I would save it up and play Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, so, yeah, that's why it's my number three. Yeah, um, I, I probably played more the Marvel vs. Capcom games at home that I did the arcade when they came out on PS2 and Dreamcast. Yeah. Especially for Marvel vs. Capcom 2 anyway. Um, but I I don't blame you for having them on your list. They would be on my honorable mentions, just like the whole Marvel vs. Capcom series in oh, general. Yeah. yeah, just the whole <laughs> um, series. Yeah, because yeah, I actually love Marvel vs. Street Fighter. That one's actually my personal favorite. That I played that a lot on the PlayStation. That game was so much fun the music on it too was great oh, really? <laughs> i love that style of music because so. my first introduction to um street fighter was not any of the street fighter games but um x-men versus street fighter yeah that one is good but man it's slow yeah. <laughs> it's so slow compared to the marvel versus capcom right. game but i got that character uh, who was it hayato um, oh hayato yeah uh, it's it says uh, in the description I'm reading for him, it says known as the main character of Capcom's first 3D fighter, Hayato Kanzaki. Kanzaki, and, oh, that's it. That's it. I remember now. It even says here in the description, the lightsaber ripoff. He <laughs> <laughs> and it says he's been largely forgotten. <laughs> that's the only but, reason why you liked him, too. It was Just probably the like, reason why yeah. I decided to pick the character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he turned out to be a, a good fighter, though, who worked for me. So yeah, couldn't complain too much. Um, so yes, uh, those are our number three picks. So going on to number two, um, this is going to be where Spider-Man comes in Spider-Man for the PlayStation one or the PS PSX, as it was known back in those days, man, I love this game. Hey, Tim, before you get into that, um, have you played any of the, the, the Spider-Man movie tie-in games? Um, I did play the first one. And Based off the first Sam Raimi movie on the GameCube. And was it It decent? was good, actually. Oh. Yeah, it was decent. Yeah, it oh, wasn't okay. horrible or anything. Yeah, it was yeah. 
followed the structure of the movie. Mm. It wasn't an open world game, but I remember from the time the graphics were really good. Yeah. And as much as you have a Spider-Man two, the game is known for being like one of the best Spider-Man games, probably the best Spider-Man game for a while. Um, I've never actually played that one <laughs> for yeah. whatever reason. I mean, it's one of my gaming, you know, mishaps or regrets, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I never playing, getting around to play that one, but, uh, but none of even the first one I played and the ones that came after, because there's been a lot of Spider-Man games. And another honorable mention I had on my list was Spider-Man Shadow Dimensions. That game was awesome. I don't know if you played that one, Dane, where you play each. Was that uh, on uh, PS3? Yeah, PS3 yeah. and Xbox. Yeah, yeah. The different Spider-Mans in the different universes. I just thought that was such an awesome concept that made for a video game. And getting the different different voice actors who voice Spider-Man over different animated series was brilliant. <laughs> and oh, of course, yeah. It just made me think, I want a Batman game like that. A Batman game where you're playing these different versions of Batman from other universes. And I don't care if it's a direct ripoff from that Spider-Man game. It's just such yeah. a cool idea. I would love to see that for Batman. Oh, and uh, uh, a quick um, side note. Um, have you ever... <laughs> this is really bad, but ha- have you ever seen the Avengers uh, TV show, the animated TV show? No, I never got around to watching that because from what I yeah. heard about it, the main Avengers were never in it. <laughs> like yeah, the, it's, the B or C T. Yeah. <laughs> you're not seeing Iron Man, you're not seeing Captain America. Exactly. You're not seeing, uh, uh, I mean, I think Iron Man is in it. Because he, he had his own show. Yeah, he was because he wasn't as big as he is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, you're not seeing like even Black Widow. I think. I think Hawkeye is like the biggest character in that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all like the the. I wouldn't even say C. I'd say like like G. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> list um, Avengers. Avengers. I've never even heard of because I'm not a you know a, a Marvel um, expert. I guess. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> There it's, might be some of them in there who've made their way in the MCU now will become more popular. <laughs> yeah. And the 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 stories it's it, it's weird because you think about the Avengers, you think about Iron Man, you think about all these characters now and how big they are in Infinity War and you know, the MCU and stuff, right? But it seemed like in the early 90s Marvel didn't really care about the Avengers or Iron Man. No, yeah, you're right. It's, it was mainly all weird. about X-Men and Spider-Man in those days. Yeah, yeah, mainly it's weird X-Men. switch how X-Men, Spider-Man um, sort of took a back seat nowadays to mm. the Avengers and Iron Man and, you know. Yeah, it's all, you know, it's all what a popular movie can do. Yeah. <laughs> Put some on the forefront, which I got to say, on the comic front recently, which I think has been a big mistake by Marvel, is how... They go and push all their character in the comics who are like being going to be brought into the MCU and any like the, the X-Men and Spider-Man who they didn't have. Well, mainly the X-Men, X-Men and the Fantastic Four who aren't part of the MCU and hold up by Fox. They would like shoot, put them in the back and just get rid of them altogether, not make a priority just because they don't have the rights for them in the movie, which I don't think you should do on the comic side of things. I mean, one shouldn't have really affect the other, not tell stories with the characters. I mean, they canceled the Fantastic Four book for a while. It just came back all because, you know, they didn't have the movie rights for it, which is a shame. And then other aspects of it where um, Marvel vs. Capcom 4, 
a big reason why I didn't get that game and didn't get good reviews anyway was that they weren't including any of the X-Men characters just because of that reason. And it was just so lame. Like, how can you have a Marvel versus Capcom game and not have Wolverine in it, who's been a staple of that series forever? It's just so stupid. And they had to give these lame excuses like Capcom would be saying, well, in this day and age with the Marvel movies, I don't think too many people are what we are really remember the X-Men and the games are that much. It's like these lame excuses to why they're not in there. It's ridiculous. So that always bugged me about the pop as popular as these characters got in the MCU. Yeah. The comic side of things and the other thing side of Marvel would, you know, put just ignore their other classic character just because they're not popular in movies right now, which I think is a shame. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I, I, I didn't know anything was going on like that, but, I thought it was just because there wasn't good movies because you look at the Fantastic Four and they had the two movies, two, two movies. Yeah. yeah well, three, you count the recent reboot. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the two that are connected, the se- yeah. the, the original and the sequel. And then y- you had the, um, Kate Mara one, right? Yeah. That didn't do very well. No, it didn't. <laughs> um, and I was wondering, was it because of that? And you had the X-Men where like there's different timelines and there's different people and all that stuff and confusion. Is that why they're putting Fantastic Four and um, X-Men on the back burner, I guess you could say? Yeah. But now it makes sense, you know, yeah. it's because they don't <laughs> hold the rights to it. And, you know, the, the, the characters that they do hold the rights to are going to get the, the main billing. Yeah, I mean, I get it why, but at the same time, you're a comic book company. These are like some of your most popular comic book characters ever. That shouldn't, the movie shouldn't affect you ignoring certain characters just because you don't right. have the rights to them. And to me, that, that really bugged me. I gotta say, <laughs> and then they try to push the Inhumans uh, as like to become the next X Men to be more popular than mutants and X Men, and boy, did that backfire with the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> And now they're, I think they had a season? comic series recently called like the end of the inhumans or something like that. Like they're already getting rid of most of them. It's just ridiculous. Was that one season? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because remember it was a, originally announced as a movie. Mm. supposed to come out in 2019. And this was something that the head of Marvel studios, Kevin Feige, I don't think really wanted to do, but this is what he was going back and forth with Marvel, not just Marvel movie studios, but just Marvel as in general about movie ideas and what to put and develop. And they were really pushing the Inhumans for the reason I stated, wanted to push them as the new X-Men and get the movie out. They'll become more popular than the X-Men. He didn't really want to do that. And then later on, uh, it became something where he was button heads with people at Marvel and it just, uh, Disney decided, okay, you don't have to worry about dealing with Marvel as editorial department as a comic. You just report directly to us, the Disney movie studio. (laughs) So like you can do whatever you want as long as you go through us. And not have to worry about what the Marvel Comics Department has to say about the movies. And once that right. happened, I think they put the axe on the Inhumans movie. And that's when it got <laughs> downgraded to a TV show, which I've only seen the first episodes of. And that's all I needed to see. <laughs> it's that bad. It was bad, yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of Marvel TV shows, um, and I know the third season of Daredevil is coming out and stuff. Yes, but, so I can't wait. Um, one Marvel TV show that is really good that you should definitely check out that's really confusing is Legion. <laughs> I've um, heard great things about it, yeah. It's told by I, – I mean I love this because it's told by a unreliable narrator because Legion himself yeah. <laughs> is mentally ill. So <laughs> it, 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 it's a great TV show. 
Yeah, I've been, something I've been wanting to check out. Yeah. I know they've been going to some interesting aspects of the X-Men lore in there. And I wonder if they're going to go full-blown because in the comics, he's uh, Professor X's son. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Oh. Like he was a, kind of like the catalyst for that whole Age of Apocalypse era. Yeah. Where yeah, Professor yeah. X died. He was like the cause of all that. So I'm wondering – I don't think they're going to go that route. But I wonder if they'll eventually acknowledge that he is Xavier's son. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, I'm only three episodes in on on the first season, uh, but yeah, I love it. I don't know what's going on. It's it's good. <laughs> it's crazy, Tim. Just, just imagine you're in the head of Professor X in Logan. That's what it's like. <laughs> okay, wow, <Yeah. laughs> that could be pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super hard to follow. You don't. I mean, unless. I guess you know the character, you know the character's villains and stuff. Yeah, because I know, I think the main villain for season one, I don't know if he was throughout, but like by the time it was guy. over, Shadow King. Is that his name? Like, he's like. He's an obese guy. Yeah, but. Yeah. There's someone who might, like, an entity that I believe. See, I don't know the show, but in the comics, like an entity thing who can possess people. And he, like, makes his realm in the astral plane, I believe. So, I don't know if they go on too deep dive to that but i know they made hints about the shadow king being a villain who i'm familiar with through the animated series of x-men because he was a villain in a few episodes there yeah you should definitely check that show out it's super weird i don't really know what's going on but you have a general idea Um, (laughs) it's got to be good if you don't know what's going on and yet you're still following it (laughs) but sorry i interrupted you by (laughs) this huge sidetrack it was all connected to marvels I'll go back to Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1. Yeah. And still to this day, like, again, I haven't finished Spider-Man PS4 yet, but right now this one on the PlayStation 1 is still my definitive Spider-Man game. It was developed by Neversoft, the studio that did uh, the first couple of Tony Hawk's games. And you can they kind of laid an Easter egg for it because he was an unlockable character in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 <laughs> a little bit before this game came out. So, But man, they did a great job. And this was the first game, at least that I played as Spider-Man. We just have it wasn't open world, but I just loved how you could swing wherever you want, use your webs wherever you want, and just crawl up walls and ceilings anytime you want. There was, for the PlayStation's limited power at that time, you pretty much could go anywhere in the level design that they created. It was just tons of fun. What I really loved about it, I and mean, gameplay was good, but the way they incorporated pretty much all of Spider-Man's classic villains into one game, who I was hoping to see and making for great levels and awesome boss fights it was just so cool i mean you had uh, mysterio made for a great boss fight and then uh, rhino had one that was really cool and then venom of course my favorite spider-man villain but sometimes he's an anti-hero and when circumstances calls for it he teams up with spider-man which was the case in this game it was the best best of both worlds where he fought him as a boss but then you teamed up with him on certain levels and then you fight carnage at the end dr octopus it was just Really cool stuff. The voice acting on it, I thought, was great. Um, the what, the play, the playoff between Venom and Spider-Man was just fantastic. <laughs> the way they'd go about their banter with each other was just really good. And the graphics, you're going to look at it now and go, <laughs> and just look at the blocky character models and just how like squared face they are. The graphics don't hold up that well, I'll admit that. But during the time, it was pretty cool to see Spider-Man and play a game like that like I never have before. And just the way it encompassed all its villains into one cool story, a fun gameplay. It's just, it delivered the complete package for me at that time. And I still haven't found a Spider-Man game because I played 
quite a few of them after that, but none of them has quite hit that mark like this one did as far as how it just really captured the feel of the Spider-Man universe that I love so much. So we'll see if the PS4 one can knock it off my number one <laughs> as far as Spider-Man games go. But right now, that one on the PlayStation 1 is still at the top of my list. I think it's fantastic. Uh, my second is um, a game that I bought used because uh, um, GameStop was pushing that. Uh, yeah, well, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> um, so I relented and I bought it. That's uh, Batman Vengeance. Uh, probably the... You see, Tim, because we have the Telltale games, but at the time, before the Telltale games... I probably put it over the Arkham games too. It it, it had the a really really good story. That, that it did. Yeah. It just it, it it's not a perfect game, but the, the 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 plot sort of makes you forget about that because it's it's so good how they tie every single character into the story rather than just having okay, so the Joker shows up or Harley Quinn shows up or. Um, uh, Poison Ivy, who plays a big role in the game, yeah. uh, shows up. Um, great, great, great boss fights. Um, definitely better than the Arkham games. I I love the boss fights and that's and, uh, that's something you probably have a debate on. Really, <laughs> because I, don't know, I have to think about it. They were good. I don't know if they're on the Arkham level for me though. Um, hardest boss I've ever fought in a video game is Mister Freeze. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one was really hard. It took me a long time to figure out how to beat him. Um, again, this was before the before like you could just look it up on the internet. And before <laughs> um, had to buy the strategy yeah, guide if you the, wanted to <laughs> find it out, figure it out right away. Yeah, had to buy the strategy guide. So um, yeah, pr- probably Batman Vengeance for me. Yeah, I really liked that game too. It was a big deal when it came out because it was. You know, the first new Batman game in a while to be on, at that time, new consoles like the PlayStation 2, <laughs> the Xbox, and GameCube. But the fact that it was being based on the or being based off the animated series as well, I mean, that just got me super hyped for it because the animated series was done at that point because the game first came out in 2001. And just the fact that they were still using the animated series, you know, designs yeah. and, of course, getting the voice actors, I thought, oh, this is awesome. They're using the best version of Batman for... Yeah, and it also was a really good selling point for me anyway. Um animated series had been done it's kind of hard to find on tv at that point yeah um and they just released this this video game with the original cast i mean i didn't know that at the at the time but at least the designs were like their animated series um counterparts um one thing i will say tim about this game i made a mistake (laughs) made a huge mistake don't buy the pc version no, if you yeah. and your PC versions, they yeah. <laughs> this Arkham Origins, which you still haven't beaten, <laughs> still still don't know the ending to it. Don't tell me it, Tim. Um, but after I got rid of my PS2, I figured, oh, let's try the the PC PC version. I'm I'm not even sure you can get it anymore. I doubt um, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, don't get the PC version. <laughs> Um, crashing every so often, I'd imagine. <laughs> no, not crashing. It's it's more the gameplay side of it. 
Oh, okay, controlling right. it. And everything. Controls. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a bad comparison, but you know when you're flying in Superman 64? <laughs> uh, can it really be that bad? <laughs> not as not that bad, but it's just that awkwardness. You know, you know what I mean. Just that awkward. It, it doesn't have that flow like Spider-Man PS4, where you're gliding through the air and uh, web sling. <laughs> it's well, it's yeah. not the best control scheme, I'd say. Yeah, well, that's why I'm not much of a PC gamer. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't don't buy that. Yeah, none of the like controls that you could hook up to are never really good for me, and I don't like using the keyboard yeah. and mouse, which I know. Is what you have to use if you're playing shooters on a PC. It's like right. the only way you'll survive. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good choice for Batman Vengeance. And the sequel that came out, Rise of Sinsu, uh, that, I remember that was just like a brawler co-op game, but the co-op was fun on it. And that's some good boss fights on it too, but Vengeance was the better game. Who who did you play um, in that? Batman and... You could either Robin? choose between Batman, of course, Nightwing, Robin, oh, Nightwing. and Batgirl. All from the oh. new Batman Adventures. Oh, I see. Okay. And that villain, Sinsu, never took off like they wanted to. <laughs> they made a big deal about the first Batman villain to debut in a video game. And I don't think he's popped up since <laughs> anywhere. None in the comics? There might have been somewhere. Yeah. Like, he was mentioned or he was like in the background or something. But nothing as far as a major story, at least none that I've read. <laughs> but right. he might be out there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Number one picks. So this one is, I think, going to be pretty obvious of what it's going to be. Batman Dark Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man, no. Thankfully not. <laughs> that was came out, I think, a year, two years after Batman Vengeance. And, oh, boy, what a disappointment that was. <laughs> that If we were doing our top five awful or most disappointing video games, Batman Dark Tomorrow would be number two and Superman 64 would be number one. <laughs> well, at least in uh, Dark Vengeance, you didn't have to fly through rings, right? Nope. Lift cars and... Yeah. And I, yeah. I didn't pay a hundred dollars. That that story still fascinates me too. Like I, th- I think about every time I see a Superman thing, it fascinates me. <laughs> you know what? You know what? A detail I don't think I've told you about that. What was I spent a hundred dollars? You know why? Because the game was seventy five and twenty dollars from mm-hmm. a memory card. But this right. is how stupid I am. I bought the memory card after I played a little bit of the game and knew how bad it was. Oh, Tim. <laughs> but I thought, you know, I paid this much. I got to, you know, play it through and make it through. It's so like, yeah. I need a memory card to save it. I better get it. Uh, just more money down the drain <laughs> for that well, whole game. Well, well, at least you didn't also buy the, 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 um, rumble pack. You remember? It yeah. Well, seven. I had a rumble pack already because it oh. came with star Fox 64. <laughs> oh, thankfully, thankfully it did. Cause I, uh, you remember how, you would have to buy it separate, right? Yeah. Well, before you can only get it with Star Fox. I don't remember how long after until you could buy it separately. But Yeah, yeah. I remember buying it separately. And it's it's so weird how now the, the controllers just come yeah. with it. <laughs> and just, you wouldn't think of it at the time, but just what a, you know, I wouldn't say essential feature, just but what a feature that's become so standard and familiar now that it's hard to imagine controllers without Rumble, and it feels weird without having Rumble effect on yeah, your games yeah. now. <laughs> but when Star Fox 64 came out, it was such a new thing. It worked good for that game, but just never something 
you would think of that. Oh man, it, it feels weird not having it now, but <laughs> yeah, it's become standard. Well, it's the same thing with the 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 original PlayStation's controller. The the original controller, the 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 one that you get with the uh, PlayStation w- without the joysticks, mm, yeah. didn't have the the rumble pack or the vibration. Yeah. It was only yeah. the one with the joysticks that did. Nintendo's sixty four really paved the way for a lot of innovations that Sony, especially the PlayStation, in that time, and now everyone uses. I mean, they were the first console controller with the analog joystick. And oh, right. you mentioned the Rumble Pack, and eventually the PlayStation controller had both of those features, and of course the Xbox does now. And Nintendo, I mean, say what you want about them, about how they don't, they don't, they're not like the main console for hardcore gamers would, would like to get yeah. with the 360 or the Xbox One and the PS4, but they innovate and they get copied. I just mentioned that example. Think about motion controls with the Wii. PlayStation came out with the Move. Uh, Microsoft came out with the Connect with none of them used anymore. <laughs> I mean, they're just failures. And now, even with the classic systems, the Nintendo Mini Classic and the Super NES Classic, what did Sony just announce this week? The PlayStation 1 <laughs> Mini Classic. I mean, what Nintendo does, Sony copies. <laughs> yeah. No, you you have a point. And I, I think people have to remember that they just had a rough period where they made two bad systems. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, they found their feet again with yeah, the Switch, well, it seems like. The Wii, the Wii wasn't a good system, but it sold really well. I mean, it, it did yeah. well, that's for sure. But the Wii U was, yeah, that's got to be the worst system ever. Well, well, I mean, that's all the people that, I mean, like you, that want to play the N- Nintendo games. Yeah, you know, I mean, the they didn't even have very many for the, the Wii U, though. Really? No, like Zelda that came out for it came out on the Switch the same day <laughs> when oh. the Switch launched, so... And then they really didn't have a brand new Mario game on it either. It was kind of like those 2D side-scrolling Mario, but not like a full new 3D Mario game like Odyssey was. So. Yeah, yeah. Odyssey. But yeah, they're definitely on the up <laughs> upturn now when it comes to consoles. <laughs> with the Switch, it's really good. It's a really good system. So, so like, what happened with the Wii? I mean, did did they just not think that they needed third-party games? Yeah, apparently not. Or just mm. they got well because it was so like graphic capability of it and the power of it was not anywhere near the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and the yeah. third party ports of their games they'd make on those systems were just so terrible <laughs> on the Wii <laughs> that they probably just figured why bother anymore. And right. Just, yeah. And they I think the same thing with the Wii, even though the Wii U was HD, I think it was kind of a pain in the neck to develop for, if I remember. It wasn't the best system to do that for. And so but the Switch, so they're definitely getting the third-party support back on the Switch, that's for sure. You know, it seems like with every passing day, I get more and more interested in buying a N- Nintendo Switch. <laughs> if you like the game, it's worth it. I mean, the the feature of being able to take it with you anywhere is really awesome. I mean, I've taken yeah. it with me all the times I've waited in line for a new Star Wars movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really helped pass the time, so <laughs> it's really convenient. Yeah. So if there's a game that you think you'd would be interested in playing. I'd recommend it. What was that? I mean, Zelda. It, Zelda. I was just about to say. Yeah. That's yeah. It was Zelda. <laughs> so, so it's like an open world thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, big time. Day night cycle weather. Yep. Cooking. <laughs> yeah. Creating weapons and all that stuff. So. Yeah. It was Zelda and the the, the Mario Kart. Um, yeah. The Mario Kart was like a remaster of the one that came out in the Wii U, but it has like all the DLC content already packaged in there. That's really fun too. The, does it have the original uh, tracks? 
Um, some of them. It didn't have oh. all of them, but they remastered yeah. a good portion of them. Oh, okay. So they kind of like picked and choose over the course of the history of Mario Kart games and put certain ones into this one. Oh, I see. I don't know. Every so, passing day, Tim. Well, <laughs> one of these days, I know I'm going to get a text from you saying you got a switch. <laughs> and I'll be happy. I'll have to send you my friend code. Yeah. <laughs> Not user ID, friend code. Friend code. <laughs> but anyway, my number one pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, Batman Arkham Asylum. I mean, you probably knew it was going to be one of the Arkham games, but just which one? <laughs> Maybe it was what you're going to have to be wondering and guessing which one I'd pick, but I'm going to go with the first one. And I've said it before when we are talking about the Arkham games. It's just something real special about that first one and about just being a truly, truly great Batman video game experience like no other and just being blown away by it. I mean, I remember when the game was first announced, I was like, oh, cool, a new Batman game. Hopefully it turns out good. I'm not going to get too excited about it. I mean, <laughs> the character models and graphics look good, but we'll see. And then when they announced you know, like Kevin Conway and Mark Hamill going to be doing the voices, like, ooh, okay, that's cool. Then the demo came out, like, hey, this is actually playable. It's not like Batman Dark Tomorrow. <laughs> I'm getting stuck in walls and I can't move anywhere. And then when I started seeing the reviews for it, like getting nines and tens and five out of fives and various review sites, I was like, wow, they actually created like a legit, not just a good Batman game, a legit great game that features Batman and his characters, like, wow, I can't wait to get my hands on it. And then when I finally did, I knew what everyone was talking about, man. It just was just so, so good. I mean, you know all the reasons why. The graphics at the time, I think they still hold up, especially with the remastered versions that are out there now. They look great. The boss battles, the the open world aspect, I know it got bigger in Arkham City and Arkham Knight, but I, I did like the open world aspect and yet the you know, more con- confined areas of just being on Arkham Island and Arkham Asylum and the different uh, areas you explore there. It, was, it felt perfect for me. And you throw in all the side stuff with the Riddler puzzles and the Batman Easter eggs and all that you could find throughout the game. It was just the complete package, really. And, you know, for my favorite comic book character to have one of the greatest video games ever, it was just like a dream come true for me <laughs> as a Batman fan and just as a comic fan in general. So the Arkham games really are the standard when it comes to comic book character-based video games now, I mean, just even look at Spider-Man PS4. I mean, you can easily see where it takes from Arkham and how it's been inspired by Arkham just with the combat stuff. So it was really a game changer when it comes to, you know, not just comic book games, but just, you know, kind of action adventure games in general, especially with the combat. And boy, you throw in those challenge rooms. <laughs> I made it my mission to make sure I got every achievement on that game. And it, getting those rankings, those high rankings on those challenge rooms, some of those last ones, they took a while, but boy, was it worth it. <laughs> or it felt like a sense of accomplishment when I finally did it and got all 1,000 achievement points on the Xbox 360 for that game. So, yeah, Batman Arkham Asylum is going to be my number one all-time favorite comic book video game. I mean, it's just, it's the best. <laughs> so, Dane, I'm, yeah. I'm curious if an Arkham game is going to be your number one pick and it's just if it's going to be different from Asylum. Of course, it's Arkham Origins. <laughs> <laughs> up Especially until. Up until. <laughs> um, no, it's it's going to be an Arkham game. It's not going to be Arkham Asylum. It's going to be Arkham City. Um, Which I think is you, most people's go-to. <laughs> yeah, you kind of touched on what makes it better than Arkham Asylum, for me anyway, is the open world. Because sure. I remember... I, 
I remember playing Arkham Asylum and thinking this would be a great, great, great open world game. They did it with, um, see, I forget the, 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 the name of the last game. Arkham Knight. Uh, Arkham Knight, sorry. But it wasn't really an open world game. But it seems like Arkham City, it was more contained. I mean, I guess with Arkham Knight, I was expecting a Grand Theft Auto Arkham Knight, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> those games take forever to make. They take like five to ten years to make, right? And didn't really have the time, so you're stuck in the Batmobile going around a smaller Gotham. Uh, but Arkham City, it had that big feeling. Um your your different environments, um, different villains. I mean, d- different uh, enemies to fight in different parts of the city. Um, also had a really, really, really good story. Um, to me, better than Arkham Asylum story. Definitely better than Arkham Origins because I haven't seen the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the ending in Arkham City, the boss fight is how it ends. Is definitely better than Arkham Asylum. Um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, definitely, definitely better than Arkham Origins because Origins, it felt, it still had that tight feeling, um, where you're not really giving that, given that open world sense, um, that Arkham City does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's just the open world and different things that can happen, and you you know you already have a great base with with um, Arkham Asylum. You you have a great system, you have a great you know fighting system, you have a great sneaking around system, um, and I guess you have more creativity because it's an open it's it's a little more open, and you can sort of approach things differently um, rather than, you know, sneaking around in Arkham Asylum or going around the Batmobile in um, Arkham Knight. Um, so to me, I know this is, this is only the second game, but to me that this was the peak of it. And um, yeah, de- definitely my favorite, favorite, favorite comic book video game. Cool, yeah. And another thing, too, that I really like about, I think Arkham City and Arkham Knight, I think, did a good job of it, too. But And something I kind of wish a little more of on Spider-Man, the PS4 version, is the side missions that you do and how they involve other classic Batman villains by the time you get to the end of it, or Batman characters. Right now, Spider-Man PS4 has that Black Cat one I'm doing, but some of the side missions are just random people you encounter on the street or on the city buildings and have you do something. But I liked how the or or the Arkham game, especially City, had you do these side missions, but then they lead up to a big Batman character like Hush or Azrael, and then an Arkham Knight, Professor Pig. So even in their side missions, felt like main story missions in a way too, which is always always cool about those games. So that's another feature I had to bring up. <laughs> what makes those games so great? Right, right. And to me, anyway, Mark Hamill's one of Mark Hamill's best performances as, as the joker it was originally right, supposed to be uh his last right yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh he returned for 
um, Arkham Origins, right? No, he didn't do Origins. Knight? That was that was uh, Troy Baker, I think, who did his voice. Oh, right, He did a great right. job, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what did he uh, come back to? He came back for The Killing Joke, the movie. Oh, was it The Killing Joke? Yeah. I think there was something course, before that. I don't, I don't think so. And then he does the Justice League action cartoon as well, but that was after both of those, Killing Joke and Arkham Knight. But I thought... I could have swore that he, he, he did... He did something. Well, no, wasn't it? See, am I getting confused where Arkham City was his last time as the Joker, but then he came back for Arkham Knight? I I, I could have swore he came back for Arkham Knight, but... No, he did come back for Arkham Knight, but wasn't he saying he's done with the Joker when Arkham City came out? Yeah, when Arkham City came out, yeah. Okay, that's what probably it was then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I got that taken care of. (laughs) So yeah, that's our list of our top five favorite all-time comic book-based video games. And but before we leave off the topic, gotta mention a couple of honorable mentions that probably would definitely be on my top ten. Uh, I mentioned how the Marvel versus Capcom and Street Fighter games would be on there. Shadow Spider-Man Shadow <laughs> Spider-Man Shadow Dimensions, if I could talk. <laughs> but then also got to talk about the Injustice games for the 360 and Xbox One. Those were when you want a DC fighting game. Doesn't get much better than that. I mean, the character rosters are great. You, you can even argue that uh, you can have more characters in there, but they've got that's a great roster. And then when you throw in you know characters like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there, I mean, how can it not be a comic book fan's dream come true for when it comes to fighting games? So I got to mention those ones, and then also too, uh, kind of a little bummer to say it now, but the Telltale Batman games and even the Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out recently and. Yesterday, it was just announced they're closing down their studios, and that's it for them now. It was oh. really bummer to hear because, like yeah. I said, they created some amazing games for a bunch of different popular franchises. I mean, think about it. Batman, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Walking Dead, I know, is the most popular one. Game mm. of Thrones, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. <laughs> I mean, all these franchises, they just did a really good job of telling new engaging stories and having you make the decisions. I Makes mean, we me talk- wonder what happened, you know, because I know, I know just, they, now, they, they announced the stranger things one, right? Yeah. And I they had they another, yesterday that's canceled. They, yeah. They had another one too. Um, another franchise that they picked up, right? I'm sure they did, but I can't yeah, remember. I, can, is, right? I can't remember what it is. Yeah. And I, I'm hearing conflicting reports that they're just going to have like a skeleton crew remain to finish the last season of The Walking Dead. But now I heard that that's been canceled, like the last I read on it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to leave it at one episode. So Man, that's a real bummer for those who <laughs> enjoyed yeah. that game. Jeez, I know you're one of them, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And you don't this – this was supposed to be the last season of it. Um, and it's a shame that they're not going to get to finish their story because it was so good. And – I. I think that's, I guess their contribution to video games is how well they told stories. Yep. I mean, we've seen it in the Batman games. Um, I've seen it in the Walking Dead game. Um, the the Game of Thrones game, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be their big thing, you know? Yeah, it's going to be their legacy. I mean, yeah. we... You know, it was so much fun reviewing the first season <laughs> of the Batman Telltale game and comparing our decisions and choices and how different things would be you know but we made different choices it was so much fun i will say though that probably the hardest decision i had to make in a game was in their guardians of the galaxy version or not version but their guardians of the galaxy game uh spoiler alert i don't know if you're ever going to play it dane but 
one of the you're after this artifact that can pretty much you have the opportunity to use it once to bring someone back to life and over the course of the game you of course you interact with different members of the guardians and you go through their past about some characters they've lost and then you at the end of the game you get that artifact and you have to choose of who to bring back <laughs> and of course if you're familiar with the guardians of the galaxy movies one of the options is peter quill's mom who we lost and so and then you get cutscene or gameplay moments in the game where you play peter quill as a kid and interacting with his mom that makes the choice a lot harder to make and again going through the different guardians past and different people that they lost it's just really tough choice oh, who do i use this one time to bring back to life when you're going to disappoint someone but it was a really tough one and who who did you pick i actually brought back gamora's sister nebula just over the course <laughs> of the game right. and how things played out i felt that was the right one to do to go with it was so, between so you didn't you, you didn't pick star lord's mom no i didn't uh, it was a tough choice between Meredith Quill, Star-Lord's mom, or yeah. someone Rocket uh, wanted you to bring back. Because his flashback story was r- really compelling. <laughs> and I was, and plus, you make a promise to him throughout the game that you did everything you can to try to make it possible. But <laughs> as you play it, like I said, I really recommend it. It's really good. But it's a tough choice and, <laughs> once you get to that and point. And was it a thing where like, once you made that decision, like, oh, Star-Lord doesn't like you anymore? Um, since, <laughs> since that was the last part of the yeah. game... Everyone seemed to be pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't sour anyone too much, but I think yeah. you, you got definitely still some disappointment for who you didn't choose. Yeah, I'm just thinking of it. If there were, there were any hard choices in the Walking Dead games, I mean, I'm sure there were, but yeah, I, can't <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Telltale, we're gonna miss you. I mean, your oh, legacy is yeah. gonna remain forever. But <laughs> it's a sad, and a bummer that we're not gonna get any more great games for you guys. Or hopefully, yeah. you know how video game studios sometimes work. One studio closes down, but some of the main guys behind it can start up a new studio, bring in over oh, some of that right. talent, and start again. So hopefully yeah. that'll happen. <laughs> so yeah, that'll do it for our feature topic. That was a uh, another fun one to discuss going down memory lane with some of our favorite video games, and hopefully. You know, the list will continue to grow with more great games in the future, like Spider-Man and the Arkham ones. But we can go ahead and get into some of our news and discussion topics over the last two weeks. And the first one I'm going to start off, which I think was one of the bigger stories, and that is coming from The Hollywood Reporter. This came out on September 12th. They put out a report and story saying that Henry Cavill is out as Superman. And, of course, the word shakeup is used again (laughs) at Warner Brothers and what they want to do in the DC movie universe. And boy, was this disappointing. And again, this is a report coming from The Hollywood Reporter. It hasn't been officially confirmed by Warner Brothers. There's been no announcements. And then after this report came out, we got a, uh, I think Henry Cavill's rapper agency sent out a tweet saying, you know, like nothing's been decided yet. Like the cape is still in Henry Cavill's closet type of thing where he hasn't given it up yet. Warner Brothers saying no decision's been made at this time. But I honestly don't have any confidence in Warner Brothers to make the right call on this. <laughs> and that was just real, a real bummer because we knew there's been talks since Justice League about the possibility of them, you know, kind of moving away from these characters. If they're going to use them again, get new actors just so they can get a fresh start. But I really thought they could, still could have made it work with Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck continuing on as Superman and Batman. Then there was the rumors and reports about 
well, possibly Henry Cavill making an appearance in Shazam as Superman. And the article brings out that that's not going to happen now. They said that um, there was supposed to be a cameo for him in uh, Shazam, but scheduling conflicts kind of put the kibosh on that and that they couldn't uh, work out on something him being in there. And then it just goes on to say that this is the part that's really disappointing to me, which kind of makes me upset as a DC fan <laughs> and that Warner Brothers is that they're shipping or they're shifting their focus to other things and just putting Superman aside. And I think they even said they're going to focus on a Supergirl movie. And that's kind of going to be like their Krypton corner <laughs> of their movie universe. And nothing against, you know, Supergirl. I love the character. I mean, her TV show is really good, but I have a hard time when it's like she's going to replace Superman as like the Superman of the movie universe without Superman, so to speak. I just have a feeling that's the direction they're going to go. Like they're going to do a Supergirl movie. They're going to have, you know, maybe a classic Superman villain be her villain like Brainiac or something. And it's going to be cool to see. But I think I'd rather see him in a Superman movie (laughs) when they're want to use him. And just my biggest issue is this is that they have the article says they really don't have any plans for Superman going forward with their DC movie going the DC movie line going forward. And I, I said this in a tweet that I know that we're going to get some great DC movies down the line that are just standalone movies that you know or it's going to be fine, but if they truly still want to do a shared universe, you can't have one without Superman. And it's just to me that seems to be their focus right now. They're confident that they want to you know first get some good movies made on these characters which of course is first and foremost but if you really want to do the shared universe thing which i still kind of think they want to do even though there won't be a focus you just gotta have superman be a part of it i mean it cannot be no dc shared movie universe can be successful without superman i mean that's just (laughs) to me that's just a no-brainer and it's something that should be obvious but they'd right now apparently don't want to go in that direction and it's just such a shame and i hate to be one of those guys who makes the marvel comparison but it's just kind of hard for me not to when you see the success that they have and the universe that they've built up and as a dc fan you want to see the same thing for your characters and if they build up a successful movie movie universe with some lesser known characters that they seem to be focusing on here i mean that's all fine and great but you can never I'll never have that sense. Oh, man, this is the ultimate DC movie universe dream come true for any fan. If Superman's not a part of it, not even to mention, I mean, I've been saying that already with Green Lantern and <laughs> getting the short end of the stick in the current DCEU. So it just right now, it just really seems that they're just so far from getting a successful movie universe out there with these characters we know and love. And it's just a shame to, the, to see Superman kind of be put on the back burner of this, let alone Henry Cavill not being involved on it. If this ends up panning out, because I thought he was a great Superman. Just a shame. He never got the best stuff to work with as far as, uh, writing goes when, especially in Batman V Superman. And that's the biggest ones. Justice league. I really liked how he was portrayed at the end there, but, uh, it's just a shame that this would only be his, uh, this tenure as Superman would be these three movies. And the way justice league ended, I was really looking forward to seeing more of that Superman from Henry Cavill. And it looks like, that's not going to be the case. Like I said, this hasn't been officially confirmed for yet, confirmed yet that this is happening. But has Warner Brothers given me any reason to believe that they're going <laughs> to kind of go ahead and continue with Henry Cavill and make the right decision here? I don't think so. But 
they're just stuck in a weird place because I, I think they really want to reboot everything, but they really can't when they got Wonder Woman being successful and you got Aquaman coming out, who of course still associated with Justice League. So they're just in a weird spot right now. We know Batman's going to get recast eventually at some point. Who knows if that will be in the shared movie universe still. Just everything's still up in the air. But it's just disappointing in how they're treating Superman here as far as someone. He should be the character you build your universe around. And I know they tried that with Man of Steel and it didn't work out, you know, financially and critically down the line with BVS and Justice League. But you shouldn't just the character has stood the test of time for 80 years. You shouldn't just ignore him now. <laughs> we just got to uh, you just got to get him right. And I think they were on the course of doing that. But now it doesn't look like it's going to be the case with or without Henry Cavill. Because, like I said, the big bummer for me is I, they're planning to move along without any Superman movies down the pipeline, which is disappointing. So, yeah, I wasn't too happy when I got this news, but <laughs> it was just a bummer. And if this is it for Henry Cavill, he's, I think he's going to be remembered as a good Superman, but just not used to his full uh, capability capability i think uh, we know we could have as far as being you know a really great superman probably not right not as great as christopher reed because he's just he is superman but just like a tier notch below but i don't think we're going to get that now which is a really 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 darn shame (laughs) yeah uh if it is true it's getting to the point where you have to take what you can get and lose what you can't, right? Mm-hmm. So Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot, um, I guess who, the, the guy that played Cyborg is still on board. Well, I'm not too sure uh, about that anymore because they're putting Cyborg in the Doom Patrol TV show that's coming on their streaming service and they're getting a new actor for that. So who knows if – I don't think Cyborg's on their plan as well. Okay. <laughs> Um, Flash, I think, is still it has its directors, and that's yeah. still in looks like it's in development. But we know the problems had Flash has had in the past. So I'll believe right. that when it's actually in production, <laughs> right? And I I think it's getting to the point where you have to either a take what you can get, Gal Gadot as one Roman, build the universe around her already. She's the only one with a with a critically acclaimed movie that everybody went to go see build it around her um recast batman build it around him um again um or i guess c reboot the entire thing just get rid of everything that you've done so far start over again i actually wouldn't think that'd be the worst idea in the world if Gal Gadot <laughs> wasn't as great as she is. I was Wonder Woman. You know what? I do, I'm just going to say this. Reboot the whole thing and keep her as Wonder Woman. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think mean, we can live at, with that. Yeah, at this point, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Something has to be done. I mean, it's it's getting yeah. a little sad now. It, yeah, it, it is. that's exactly how I felt. Yep. <laughs> it's it's getting sad now because – you know, if if it, it is true and Henry Henry Cavill is out of the the Superman role, then everything you've based your, your universe around is gone. Mm-hmm. So you just have to reboot it, bring Gal Gadot back because I mean, because who cares? Like we said, um, and it, it, start yeah, over. Get, just start over already. It's not working out with what you've got. 
Yeah, I just don't like the idea of them continuing on creating a movie universe without Superman. To me, that's just not going to work. <laughs> Superman, I mean, he is the DC universe for most <laughs> for all intents and purposes. You just can't have it without him. It'll never be as good if he's not involved in it. And I see this is what I'm afraid of. They're going to make the Supergirl movie. And they're going to go out of their way to not have Superman be involved with it. It'll be like the TV show in the first season. They'll mention him, they'll tease him, but you'll never see him. And that's what the beauty of these shared movie universes are supposed to be. These characters can interact with each other. And it seems like they're so restricted when they're not. (laughs) It's it's almost like they're Marvel. They don't have the access to certain characters like the X-Men or Spider-Man. They can't use them. Except they do. They just don't want to or don't know how to use it (laughs) in the right way. Right. That's what just makes it so frustrating. They have access to all these characters and they're just uh, afraid to use some of them and just have them just have it be that full blown shared universe that we really want with the characters that we love. Yeah. And I think, I really think the best option besides rebooting the entire thing is just build it around Wonder Woman already. Um, she, it's the only movie that's taken off for you guys just do that. I mean, I'm not sure about Aquaman because well, yeah, we'll see. it didn't look very good for me. And I guess they're still doing it. Um, but uh, just, <laughs> j- j- just build it around one Roman already. Um, reboot it if you have to. Bring in new actors if you have to. Yeah, Just build, see, it, my- build, build it around her because it's not working with Superman. It's not working with the Batman thing. So yeah, yeah as, as much as I'd hate to see Henry Cavill go, as long as it means keeping Superman in this universe, I'd, I'd be okay with a recast, but that's yeah. something I really wouldn't want. <laughs> but yeah. And, uh, and just, plus too, I, I, I feel really bad for Henry Cavill. Me too. Yeah, he, he's, he, he never had good material to work with, good actors to work with. Uh, well, I think, well, yeah, good actors, yeah, good actors <laughs> I guess you'd say, you know, with Amy Adams and um, uh, Lawrence Fish, Fishburne. And uh, Michael Shannon is odd. Uh, Michael it's Shannon is odd. But it seems like they just could not get it down since Christopher Reeve, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Christopher yeah. Reeve is the shining example, and they just can't and he always will be, there. too. And you yeah, can't he always will be, to, right. like, surpass him or be as good. It's got to be good enough. <laughs> yeah, but Which, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, an actor approaching the role in their own way to make it their own unique thing rather than seems like, I mean, especially with Superman Returns where it was kind of an ape on Christopher Reeve Superman. But yeah. That's a whole other can of worms that <laughs> yeah. we shouldn't get into. But uh, Henry Cavill tried. Um, he did put his own spin on it, his did. own take on it. He did, and he he's a good Superman. Uh, you know, I'll definitely I'll say that, but you just didn't have the right writers or directors to to you know make something good. Yeah, this something is a shame. He never got his own sequel too. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not too happy. Yeah. <laughs> As you could probably guess from this announcement. Really, but. you're not. <laughs> No, because yeah, like I said, I loved him in the role, and it's a shame he's not there. But at the same time, too, you got to have Superman in a DC yeah. shared movie universe. You just got to. <laughs> yeah, if it's going to be a shared universe, you got to have Superman, you got to have Batman, you got to have Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Got to have uh, Wonder Woman. Got to have Wonder gotta Woman. Got to have the Flash. They Flash. have all those, but now it's just who knows what's going to happen now. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Hopefully, better days are ahead. I mean, 
yeah, like I said, I know I'm going to be excited for these DC movies they have planned. It's just, again, just curious to see where they're going to go with this whole shared universe thing and how they do it. So it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Because Marvel really hasn't had to or hasn't run into this problem, right? No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> or a main actor has dropped out. Nope, or had scheduling conflicts or contract yeah. disputes. I mean, the only big one, I guess, was Edward Norton as a whole. Yeah, and, and then um, Mark- What's his name? Uh, 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 Terrence Howard. Yeah. As a Brody, yeah. Uh. yeah. But besides that, they but, didn't really have this. Problem. Yeah, and thankfully, though, they were only in one movie, too. So it wasn't like they were in two or three, and then they had to get replaced. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. their speed bumps were very minimal <laughs> in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, you could see the payoffs they're having because of that. <laughs> but anyway... Onto some DC TV news now. Um, it was announced, this was a surprise, that Jason Todd is going to be in Titans. And not only just as Jason Todd, but he will be Robin in the show. And they actually had some pictures of him in the costume. They released a kind of short little video trailer of him interacting with Dick on Batman Day. And I think this is pretty cool. And the actor who's playing him is uh, Kieran Walters. I've never heard of him, but he seems to be good in the role. I like what I saw in that little trailer. They had that over-eager, excited character who's you know, just excited to be Robin and all the things he gets to do. There's that funny moment that made me chuckle where he goes, oh, swinging on, over rooftops, getting to drive the Batmobile. Then Dick just like silently looks at him, turns and goes, he lets you drive the Batmobile? <laughs> it's that little jealous aspect of there. So I'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic of Dick not only dealing with his fallout from Batman, but seeing Jason Todd as the new Robin and how he's going to react to that, I think should be interesting. Not only that, but just what it could mean in the future if Titans is successful and is hopefully good, if you know we'll eventually see the death of Jason Todd, if they'll bring in the Joker. But what I'm really hoping for is if we get Jason Todd and that does happen, let's get Tim Drake in there <laughs> somewhere down the line, like within season three or four, because Tim Drake needs to have his live action debut at some point. <laughs> it's been long overdue, so maybe this will be the start of that. But I think it's cool that he's going to be into this series, or that Jason will be in the series, I should say. You know, every time I I see pictures from this Titan show, um, it reminds me of what I feel Marvel has a problem with, uh, the Marvel TV shows um, on Netflix, that specifically for this Titan show, it looks like they just reuse the Arrow sets. Uh, Alleyways. Alleyways, dark dark alleyways. (laughs) dark warehouses same thing with the marvel tv shows where it yeah. looks like they use the same warehouse the same alley You're not wrong <laughs> yeah. so, um but as for this i guess i guess it's a wait and see uh tim is going to give me his first impressions his review of this show um, hopefully i'll be able to do it when it premieres by because I, hopefully they'll have the app on the ps4 and the xbox one that still bugs me (laughs) the the apps out there now people are downloading it but yeah i mean i could watch it on my ipad but i want to see the stuff on the tv (laughs) Uh, that really bugged me another thing that bugged me (laughs) is that the day i said it before how it didn't launch on those systems i think how uh, long is it going to take i think this is the definition of what they call first world problems yes (laughs) (laughs) without a doubt yes i'm I'm talking like a spoiled uh, fanboy right here. <laughs> but, uh, but I've heard their download numbers weren't that great. 
Uh-oh. during launch yeah. and i wonder why is it because it's not on all avenues where a lot of people consume <laughs> <laughs> streaming content like ps4s and xbox ones <sighs> it's like they're just missing out on sales right here i don't get it yeah so hopefully by the time it premieres in october i'll have my subscription <laughs> i'll be able to give you that review <laughs> but so that's it for the tv news and then one last bit of dc movie news is we got our first official look at Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, or should I say Arthur Flex, I think is what his name is going to be. And there's like the, that gave the official press release, which is actually on the official DC Comics site, which they don't usually post too much official DC movies news, at least to my, I remember. So it's kind of cool that they're doing this now. So yeah, we got our first look at Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck, or AKA the Joker. So I don't know. We obviously we got this, and there were some like leaked set photos of him interacting with some clowns, and then him walking out of a like a comedy talent agency, and so it seems like they're definitely going for a little bit of that Killing Joke origin vibe, which I think is kind of cool. But um, I don't know what we'll get to that other image in a bit. But the first look we got of Joaquin Phoenix in this role, what do you think, Dane? This has changed my mind, Tim. <laughs> Ooh, um, really. Well, first off, I I saw Joaquin Phoenix in the in his I guess his most recent movie, uh, "You Were Never Really Here" is okay. is what it's called. It's indie indie movie. He plays a um, hitman. Um, okay, thought it was really really good. It's really subtle. It's a real subtle movie, um, and I saw this video of walking phoenix as the joker and it looks mm. like they're going more the indie route walking yeah, phoenix definitely. is a indie actor um and that has me excited keep it small even though it's a big budget film you know it's well i don't think the budget's going to be as huge as most comic book movies i think it's actually going to be on the smaller scale well it's warner brothers right <laughs> it's not a24 or annapurna pictures you know it's yeah. warner brothers so um yeah, keep it small. It looks like they're keeping it small. They're keeping it indie. And it's Joaquin Phoenix's facial expressions mm-hmm. in the this little teaser that we got. It's really, it's, again, I go back to the word subtle. It's really subtle. Um, if you didn't know what was going on, you'd think it's just a picture. I mean, it's just a short video of Joaquin Phoenix. And then he puts on clown makeup for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like that aspect of it. Um, again, his facial expressions, he's just looking at the camera or looking kind of off of the camera. And then as the camera zooms in, he starts to smile and intercut. They're really quick flashes, background flashes of, it looks like he's dancing around or something or <laughs> posing for the camera in the Joker makeup. And then all of a sudden cuts to him as the, the, the Joker in the Joker makeup. Thought it was really effective. Um, it's got, actually got me excited for a DC movie, Tim. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it completely sold me. I was like, okay, they're going with this subtle indie feel. And yeah, I just, I, I love it, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a. Nice surprise to get yesterday too when they released yeah. that test footage video. And 
It's definitely, I mean, see, I'm not sold yet that that's going to be his final look as a Joker. I think it could be a moment where he's just putting on clown makeup. Because, like I said, we saw those set photos of him interacting with clowns. And then maybe he does end up going through a vat of chemicals. Because I kind of hope, I'm hoping they do go with a full-blown. You know, another thing, too, Tim, is he looks crazy. Yes. In it. And I hope they don't, I I know, I I saw your tweet about the Ace Chemicals thing. Mm. Um but I'm sort of leaning towards the other side of it where I hope they go with the, this is just somebody that had a mental breakdown and he's mm. crazy. You know, he's yeah. just that crazy person. You know, I, mm. I, I hope they don't go towards the, the Ace Chemicals and the canonical version of it. I hope they go more towards he's just a crazy guy like, the, like Heath Ledger. He, he's could, just a crazy guy, you know? yeah. I could totally understand that and get that. That could be the right. way you want it to go. But at the same time, too, seems like they are going for the Killing Joke origin, you know, maybe like yeah. the failed comic and all that. And I would just love to see on screen for the first time the whole Red Hood aspect, him in that costume, and then him <laughs> falling to that bad of chemicals. So I'm hoping that's what they go for. But at the same time, I'm not going to be too surprised if it doesn't look they don't like go it. that route. Yeah, because, because his ears, right? His ears aren't, you know... Um, they don't have the makeup on it, right? Yeah. So it looks like it's just war paint, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or and something I, a crazy person would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a unique look for the Joker. If this is if that is indeed his final look as the Joker, it's definitely going to be unique for this movie. And I got to say, even though with some of the different features, like it has like the eyebrows on there written in, in blue and the nose and all that stuff to make it more look like a clown, but it still has that creepy playful effect that you would expect the joker to have and you nailed it with his facial expressions that he had there where you just it's just creepy and it feels like the joker so it's working if that's going to be it i mean i'm just real curious in how batman fits into all this i mean that might be the one thing i might have to get over if everything else about the movie is really good is if because he seems like he's obviously he's a middle-aged man here with walking phoenix playing him so he's not quite as young and if batman doesn't exist yet like because we know about thomas wayne being in the movie does that mean he's going to be like a 60 year old joker (laughs) by the time he faces off against batman so it's just weird or is this going to be a movie that doesn't like a universe that doesn't feature batman even though it's kind of weird to have a joker story (laughs) without batman involved somehow but again there's been plenty of elseworld stories that have told different versions where the characters are in different places or maybe one exists without the other. So it wouldn't be the first time something like that happened, but for a movie it would be. So it's just going to be interesting. I agree. It definitely made me feel a little bit better about it as far as the tone and look of it feels and just kind of have to wait and see in the story direction they have to go. But I'm definitely prepared for them to go to different directions that are going to go way off from the canon version of the characters. So we just got to be prepared for that for the get go. Yeah. And, or at least what I'm hoping is, I mean, we've we've talked about it, you know, with 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 Hen- the the whole situation with Hen- Hen- Henry Cavill, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for this movie's benefit, don't include any Batman, don't include any sort of DCEU people. Yeah, well, they they already said it's separate yeah. from that universe. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just keep it completely separate. Don't have a Batman. Don't have anything. Just make it about Joaquin Phoenix. That's all you have to do. He's a good yeah. enough actor for it. Um, 
so yeah, that that's just what I'm hoping. You know, just keep it separate. Just focus on the Joker, and you know, just keep it small, keep it indie, and I think you have a good movie. Yeah, it seems like the way they're going for. So yeah, it's gonna be here before you know it, October 2019. So <laughs> the wait's not gonna be that long. So. Yeah, now I'm really anxious to see a trailer for it. I mean, yeah. the vibe that that's going to pull off <laughs> or put out is to be pretty interesting. So uh, we'll probably be hearing a lot more from it in 2019. Good, because it's been a while since since I've been excited <laughs> about a DC movie. And yeah, so hopefully, like yeah, hopefully DC can go three for three for you, Dane, in 2019. I mean, Shazam looked like a fun movie. Yeah. Now Joker and Wonder Woman 1984. So we'll all three on the slate for next year. So yeah, <laughs> would I'm it be hoping. nice if all three of them deliver? <laughs> I am hoping, Tim. <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully positive reviews from both of us when we review each of them yeah. next year. <laughs> but that's going to do it for our news and discussion topics from the last two weeks. And now we can go into our listener feedback section and conversation with Alex. And as always, we got an email from Jordan titled Batman Day, Dragon Con, Joker, Hans Zimmer, Jaws, Blue Beetle, and more. So Jordan begins his email, as always, by saying, hey, Tim and Dane and Alex, happy belated Batman Day. Hope you guys had awesome ones. How did you celebrate? Um, yeah, I didn't do too much. I mean, I just represented my Batman t-shirt, went to the comic shop. <laughs> That's about it. Didn't have time to really do like a Batman movie marathon or like I usually do, unfortunately, but I still had to represent Batman with a t-shirt. So, and I definitely dressed for the holiday. Um, Do you do anything special, Dane? I thought about Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as he was on your thoughts that day. So, (laughs) yeah, Uh, But I think Jordan celebrated a lot cooler way than we did. So (laughs) he goes, I read one of this year's two free Batman day comics in the morning. I had read the other one early since they actually had it at DragonCon this year. More on that in the next paragraph. Then I headed out to my local comic shop to celebrate. I chatted with my buddy Tony, who owns the shop for a while, and then I met some guys who taught me the basics of playing DC Hero Clicks. Tabletop gaming is something I've never gotten into, and it's frankly probably the only medium in which you can partake in DC Universe goodness that I hadn't experienced to date. Well, that all changed on Batman Day, and it's very cool. After that, I went back home and sat on my butt watching stuff on the DC Universe digital service for the rest of the day. Primarily, I've been uh, been watching Superboy, which is amazing. I'm enjoying the service tremendously so far, and it's just going to get even better when the new shows start dropping beginning with Titans on uh, October 12th. As you mentioned on your last episode, the two images and then the clip they released on DC Daily on Batman Day of Jason Todd as Robin looks incredible. I honestly still can't believe we are finally getting Jason in live action. I'm not sure what had completely set or I'm not sure that had completely set within with me until seeing these first images and the clip. Just getting Dick Grayson in live action again for the first time in 20 years was so exciting and getting Jason too is just unbelievable. I'm with you, Jordan, on the tabletop uh, thing where I had some I've never really got into. (laughs) Have that some you ever played, Dane? Um, Tabletop. Like, no. like like hero clicks games, card games, that type no, of stuff. No, not really. No. Yeah, I've always been like when I worked at GameStop and Toys R Us. I know it has a pretty big audience, so yeah. <laughs> it's something I never really got into. So I would just stick with the video game RPGs for me. <laughs> Remember those? Um, I forget what they're called, but like Battle Blades things. They look like like B Blades or something like that. For some yeah, reason, that name's yeah. sticking out to me. Yeah, like B-Blades or something, or 
those were cool. I never played it, <laughs> you know, how you're supposed to play it. I just thought they were really cool things that you could just, like, whip at people and stuff. Um, yeah. But that's the closest, so. So, yeah, we were, we were in the same boat as you, Jordan, but at least you got to play them now. So yeah. <laughs> they always sound like one. But. And even the hero clicks, I think, probably the big draw is collecting to, to get a little figure <laughs> to display on somewhere, too. But Jordan continues saying, Dragon Con 2018, guys. This year was so special for me with all the Smallville stuff going on. That was all in caps, by the way. <laughs> First off, I got to meet Tom Welling, and he signed my Clark Kent Smallville Funko Pop vinyl figure. I showed him my Smallville tattoo and told him how much the show means to me and how much it changed my life. He was so kind, just like his character. I met Michael Rosenbaum already last year, but I went to his booth again this year, and he signed my, Mex- my Lex Luthor Smallville Funko Pop. When I went, to, when I went up to him, I said an inside joke from his podcast, which he got a kick out of and even wrote it along with his autograph. Which, by the way, Michael Rosenbaum does have a good podcast. I listened to his recent episode with Stephen Amell from Arrow, which was a good conversation. Just how them being those two CW shows and how things are a little bit different now and yet still the same. So he has some good guests on there, too. I need to go back and hear some of his earlier ones. I didn't even know he had a podcast. Yeah, forget what it's called. I gotta look it up. But if I think you just type in Michael Rosenbaum podcast, <laughs> you should yeah. be able to find it pretty easily. But this, in all caps, <laughs> Jordan says, "The following day, I got my photo op with Tom, Michael, and Aaron Ashmore all together." And there's tons of exclamation points. And he goes on to say that is 218 exclamation points for 218 episodes of Smallville. <laughs> Unless you count Absolute Justice as one episode, in which case it's 217. <laughs> this was an absolute dream come true for me. It was such a magical experience. In addition to that, they had two Smallville panels that I attended. The first one was with Michael, Tom, Aaron, and Erica, Sarah. And the second one was with just Michael and Tom. These panels both rank with Michael's solo Smallville panel that I went to at Dragon Con last year as the best panels I've ever attended. This cast is so hilarious, and hearing them reminisce about their time on this on the greatest series of all time was just extraordinary. At the first panel, I prioritized getting a seat near the question line, so I got to ask the first question. I asked Tom and the other cast members, but the question was primarily directed to Tom due to the nature of it. What his favorite uh, Klana moment from Smallville was? At the second panel, I prioritized getting a close seat to the stage, and I was able to get a front row seat, which is the first time I've ever gotten one at a cast panel. And if I had to pick just one panel for that to happen, I'm certainly thrilled it was a Smallville one. Okay, so uh, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast is called Inside of You. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that I know his was... first guest was Tom Welling. He had was, a, a Zachary Levi on. Mm. I know he had James Zachary Gunn on, too. Yeah. Uh, Dak Shepard, Erica Christensen, and Michael Rooker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, i got to go back and check some of those interviews out. I want to hear the Tom Welling and the James Gunn one. So, <laughs> got to put that Tom on my <laughs> podcast backlist. <laughs> but Jordan says, there were a lot of other amazing moments from the weekend, too. I got to hang out with a lot of friends as well as meet some new ones, including a fellow diehard Klana shipper in line for the first Smallville panel. I was fortunate enough to be a panelist on three fan panels this year. Um, FIA Wall, How Do You Show It, Black Lightning, Out of Retirement, and Krypton, Black Zero, and Zod. I oh, also Tim. Tend- mm. Guess who we had on his podcast? Uh, who? Everybody's favorite Venom. Topher uh, Grace. Topher Grace, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I was going to say Tom Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a deal. If they talk about Spider-Man 3, that should be pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, where was I? Okay, because... Um, I also attended a DC Comics artist panel where I got to ask Jill Thompson about the story she drew in Action Comics Special Number 1, an Arrowverse cast panel. There was quite a bit of Superman stuff going on this year for his 80th anniversary and that, that I attended, including a challenge of the Superman Nerds panel where I won some cool DC prizes and got to break out into a rendition of Save Me <laughs> with Frank uh, Ramblings. I was, it was an absolute extraordinary weekend and I'm already counting down the days until next year. 345 as of my writing this that's awesome jordan i, mean, I know our last episode i said just looking at your photos it seems like you had an amazing time and now reading your email about all the stuff that happened it seemed like it really was so happy you got to have an amazing smallville experience knowing the diehard fan you are so that's awesome he actually interviewed tom only twice so there's two interviews okay i didn't know yeah. that i thought he was just his like premier guest on this yeah. podcast and i think um the actress who played Gamora's sister. Uh, Karen Gillan? Yeah, Karen Gillan. Okay. Is also on here. Oh, yeah. So you've got a lot of pretty cool cool guests on there. <laughs> yeah. And, because he doesn't uh, have too many episodes out. Is this like 20 somewhere else? Yeah, there's like 22. Okay. He also has um, Daniel uh, Panabaker from uh, Flash. Yeah, uh, yeah. He plays uh, Killer Frost. Oh yeah, that's right. She turned into Killer Frost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now she lost her power in season four. So now she's trying to get it back. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure that'll be the her main story arc for season five. <laughs> so so Flash has to fight her. No, not really. No. <laughs> it was kind of like a when they needed her to be bad for some reason, they'd have her bring her out, and then she'd go back to being just Caitlyn Snow. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like something she just brings out <laughs> whenever she wanted to. Oh, I see. But Jordan continues saying that Alec Baldwin thing was odd. I was all for the casting when it was announced. It would have been pretty funny given that he used to be married to Vicky Vale and that his brother has voiced Batman before. So I was disappointed when it was reported he was out of the role as I was excited to see what he'd bring to Thomas Wayne. But I'm very eager to see who they cast instead. They actually did recast him and I'm blanking on the actor's name, but uh, it's the guy who played the senator in Dark Knight Rises, the one who Catwoman kind of kidnaps <laughs> at the beginning oh, right right yeah yeah so he's gonna be thomas wayne i just can't remember his name sorry <laughs> he goes speaking of joker though how about that first image of joaquin phoenix as arthur fleck i really dig it his haircut reminds me a lot of Heath ledger's joker hair except not green yet of course this is obviously before jordan sent the email before we got that image of him in the makeup so i'll be really curious to see uh, what you think of him in the full makeup jordan yeah it I'm looks so really greasy. About, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it looks What'd really greasy. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, going back to that Heath Ledger look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks, like, looks like he hasn't showered in this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he continues saying, I'm so pumped about Hans Zimmer returning to score Wonder Woman 1984. His Man of Steel score is my favorite film score of all time, so I'm always down for him scoring a movie. That I was a that. good uh, soundtrack. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. It is definitely up there. One of the best. I actually like the new uh, Superman theme better than I, I do the original. Ooh, so yeah, I probably wouldn't say that, but that might be as good as you get. That's not as iconic as John yeah, Williams. Yeah. To me, nothing's going to surpass that, but it's, well, it's amazing. I'm not going to deny that. I take that back. I guess nobody can beat John Williams. 
<laughs> except for John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I know there's arguments for Hans Zimmer too. So I'm sure it would make for some fun debates, <laughs> but yeah. I'll be always in the, I'll always be in the John Williams camp <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> What's the name of the guy that did the Lord of the Rings soundtrack? Howard Shore. Howard Shore. Right. Yeah. He did a good job. Yeah. Those scores are fantastic, especially fellowship of the ring. That's don't, up there is one of my all time favorites. Don't really like the movies. I like the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I know you love those movies, Dane. Don't deny it. Yeah, especially when it's uh, that guy's name who we talked about on last episode. Uh, Boromir. Yeah, Boromir. I was gonna call him <laughs> Baphomore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just here to remind you of the names of characters and locations. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do like the the main human city though. What's that place called? Like Freeland or something? <laughs> Gondor. Gondor. Right. I, I knew it was something fantastic. Uh, oh man! Um, <laughs> uh, see, I, it makes me laugh when you don't pronounce get the name wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's and, fine with me. And what's the name of the, the that big mage tower? Um, Isengard. Don't, don't, Tim, you were, you were <laughs> supposed to tell me. <laughs> Isengard. Yeah, that, that was a pretty cool fight um, between Gandalf. Yeah, the invisible Sauron. fight. Like, yeah. <laughs> You would expect them to be throwing like huge fireballs, <laughs> like they're just like, oh, you know, like force pushing each other. Yeah, force pushing each other. Um, <laughs> also, the the uh, the one scene I can confirm that I do not like Tim in any of the movies, in all of the movies, my my least favorite scene is the scene in the forest um, when the trees are talking. Mm. The, um, <laughs> Uh, I think that's called Tree Land. <laughs> it's actually called the Ent, the Ent Mute. The Ent Mute? <laughs> or the Ent Moot. That's what yeah. Moot. Yeah. And, and the, the forest is called... Fangorn Forest. Fangorn Forest. I do uh, know I'm... one thing, Tim, that a lot of <laughs> Lord of the Rings fans don't know. <laughs> In Dane's interpretation, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I... I, I I'm I'm serious about it too. I know one thing that and? the uh, uh, Mordor is in a place called Gorgoroth. Ah, that is true. That is true, right? <laughs> but now I need to know how you know that. Uh, there's a cool band called Gorgoroth. <laughs> oh, okay, I knew that to be something. That wasn't related to Lord yeah. of the Rings. That you knew about it. <laughs> um, what else do I know? It's a good name, though. Um, yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a start. <laughs> I know there's a ring, and there's a lord of them. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so you and me got to start the Lord of the Rings podcast. Someone who knows not everything, but a good portion, and someone who knows nothing. <laughs> or maybe we should do a, con- uh, a commentary for the uh, uncut versions. Like, uh, yeah, we have to. Four hours. Four hours. <laughs> yeah, and We're isn't the place? It it, isn't the place that um, you know where there's that big battle scene in the in the two towers? I think it uh-huh. is with the 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 orcs. Um, that place is called Uldum, <laughs> right? <laughs> Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. Yeah. See, the, the one that doesn't have a fantastic name, I get wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do know Rohan. Hey, there's something. That's, yeah. you know, this, the land of Rohan was where the people 
in Rohan go to Helm's Deep to defend themselves. So. Yeah, it looks nice. That's why. Yeah, but, that's the only reason uh, why I know it. That has a good musical theme too, the yeah. land of Rohan. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Jordan's. Yeah. Email. That doesn't feature any Lord of the Rings questions, but <laughs> maybe if the next email, I don't know how big of a Lord of the Rings fan you are, Jordan, see if you can get Dane to try to answer something for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like something super complicated that, yeah. or or something super easy that any Lord of the Rings fan would know. Yeah. Because maybe I'll know it. Just maybe. Yeah. But Jordan continues saying, I love what Rupert Gregerson Williams did with the Wonder Woman uh, score, but I'm very excited to hear what Zimmer does with the sequel. To answer your question partially um, regarding who did what in Batman v Superman score, he said Zimmer primarily handled the Superman stuff for Batman v Superman, and Junkie XL primarily handled the Batman stuff. That makes that sense. is a general idea of how it breaks down, but that doesn't answer the who did the Wonder Woman theme, of course. So I don't know the answer to that. That does make sense, though, because uh, I guess Junkie XL did like that ambient sort of Batman theme that we got. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. He goes, I'll have to watch Jaws. I'll also watch at least the first sequel. A Smallville director, uh, Janat uh, Swart, probably. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure I'm butchering it. Directed it. Well, that's something I didn't know. (laughs) But maybe they'll add a little enjoyment for you, Jordan. But I still recommend just ending it with the first one. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a good movie. (laughs) Yeah, but let us know, of course, what you think of it once you do get a chance to watch it. And knowing that you love Young Justice, Tim, I think you love the pre-Flashpoint Blue Beetle run I mentioned last episode. It was used heavily as inspiration for Season 2 of Young Justice, so the whole Reach invasion comes from that run. The thing that appeals to me most about it is that it has small, a Smallville feel to it, as it focuses quite a bit of Jaime's personal life of a high schooler. That would make sense. I, I did like how the Reach were used in that season of Young Justice, so I might have to go and check that out. I, the only Blue Beetle stuff I really read was... Um, during the new 52 when it launched. And there's some good stuff in there. I always liked Jaime Reyes as a character, so might have to be some I'll check out eventually. Oh, is it Jaime Reyes? Yeah. Oh. You think it's Jamie Reyes? Yeah, yeah. I just thought. <laughs> no, it's definitely Jaime. Yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> no, something that wasn't from Lord of the Rings. So. <laughs> yeah. I do know the place... You see, I, it just slipped my mind. Oh, you used to know. Yeah. I knew like two seconds ago what the place, you know where they had the, the fellowship uh-huh. uh, meeting? Yeah, I think I even mentioned it on our last episode when I was <laughs> you were yeah. asking about Dave. How about it involves water, kind of? Water. Ah. See, that, it's kind of like the first half of a word that deals with water, but then the rest is different. <laughs> That's a little clue. Aquafresh. <laughs> Rivendale. Rivendale. Yes. Dang it. So not quite river, but river. Yeah, Rivendale. <laughs> and the place where um, uh, Kate Blanchett lives is called... So that's a fantastic, like a fantasy name that's not going to be related to anything. So I'll never get it. <laughs> no, you won't. What is it? Lost Lorian. Lost Lorian. Yeah, I would have never got that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember it these times, names. Next yeah. episode, you got to just say these names right off, right off the tongue. Yeah, Lost <laughs> Lorian, River, Rivendell. So if you next episode, you can remember Lost Lorian, Rivendell, and Boromir. Yeah, That'll be proper. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the name of the place where they're fighting? 
Which, which oh, one? Um, where there's the flashback with Sean Bean. Okay. That's called Osgiliath. Osgiliath. Hmm. It's not too far from Gondor. So so I do see like him riding a, from there in Return of the King. That's like an overrun place. Yeah, the orcs yeah. took it over. Or they took it, then the orcs took it back, and then they tried to take it back again in Return of the King. And the Two Towers. How come they waited so long? You know, that's what I don't understand about Lord of the Rings, is why do they waste, wait so long? when they're, I mean, there was this threat of orcs. Well, no one really knew about the threat as far as Sauron being back. Gandalf discovered that in the Fellowship of the Ring once he realized the ring that Bilbo had was the one true ring. And, yeah, like... And in The Hobbit, where he shows that well, in The Hobbit, it showed that Sauron was back, yeah. but he didn't think the ring was still out there. didn't know where the ring was, and as long as the ring wasn't there, Sauron wouldn't be a threat. But once he realized Bilbo had that ring, that's where it became, okay, we got to start <laughs> getting into action now. Yeah, but wouldn't you think that these aren't just random orc attacks? I mean, they took over a city. Yeah, that could have been a, a sign or more to things that might be, you know, a sign of things to come, but which... Kind of goes into why Boromir was sent to join the Fellowship and go to Rivendell to go on the council. So it all kind of plays in together. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. And and then the dad was all mad that nobody came to help them, right? Yeah, or he didn't expect yeah, Rohan. And Rohan felt the same way about Gondor. Yeah, <laughs> they were, yeah. Like everybody mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty soon I'm going to be doing a full-blown rewatch of all six movies, The Hobbits and The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Wow. It's been way too long since I've seen them. <laughs> no, I totally forgot that that, that was three movies, uh, The Hobbit. Yeah, it probably <laughs> could have been two, but it still works enough for me as three. <laughs> Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. Yeah, he was awesome. That Smog's a dragon, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what they did with the dragon was really, really cool. Well, at least, he didn't, yeah, at least he didn't have to, like, get out of bed right he, he just like <laughs> recorded all of his lines it was, uh, it was on, he did the motion capture for it too oh he did yeah there's oh. behind the scene footage of him doing the motion capture for it just like in the studio just sitting on like a counter <laughs> doing the dragon motions it's pretty cool oh. but jordan continues again saying there's actually several legacy castings coming to the returning live action dc tv shows this year besides just sam whitworth sam's fellow small little looms uh, michael johnson and anthony Konechi will be joining Connect Arrow. Me. What was that? Connect me. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm here with the Lord of the Ring names. You're here with <laughs> how you pronounce real people's names. <laughs> See, we help each other out, Dan. I guess so. <laughs> uh, joining Arrow and Supergirl as Kodiak and Agent Jensen, respectively. In the case of Anthony, there's a bonus Smallville Easter egg with regards to his casting. Jensen, e- Jensen Eccles joined Smallville in season four. And here we have a Smallville alum joining Supergirl in season four as Agent Jensen. <laughs> Another legacy casting is David Ahala, who was in the Ayala. Dark Knight. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> I thought I had it, but I still back my mind. I probably yeah. got it wrong. <laughs> he was in the Dark Knight, and now we'll be playing Manchester Black on Supergirl. I always forget Manchester Black is going to be in Supergirl this season, which I love that character, especially in the whatever what happened to Truth Justin in the American Way comic and the Superman versus the Elite animated movie. So good. There was almost another legacy casting with former Joker voice actor and current Riddler voice actor Brent Spiner sent to join Supergirl originally, but he was replaced by Bruce Boxleitner. Boxleitner? <laughs> that sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, a couple of questions to wrap this email up. What are your top five favorite Arrowverse seasons? For me, it's number five, Arrow Season 5, four, Arrow Season 1, 
three, Arrow Season 2. Number two, Supergirl Season 3. And number one, Supergirl Season 1. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go number five, Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. I think that had the best round of cast of characters that made up the Legends of that season. And I love the whole Legion of Doom aspect with Zoom, Damian Dark, and uh, Malcolm Merlin. I thought they made for great villains that whole season. Then I'm going to go to Flash Season 2. That's where they brought in the whole parallel Earth. Earth 2 is when they first made it there. And they had Zoom as a cool villain. So And Jay Garrick. So I thought that was cool. Then number three, Arrow Season 5. was a really great bounce back season from the awful Season 4 and disappointing Season 3. But it came back strong with Season 5. was definitely the best villain since Deathstroke. Then number two, I'm going to go with The Flash Season 1. The way they launched that series, that series season was still awesome, even though it hasn't quite captured that height <laughs> since then. But, man, Zoom was such an awesome villain. And Tom Cavanaugh's portrayal as Professor Wells and then being revealed that he was Zoom was just so great. So the Flash season one, I think, is probably always going to be its best season, <laughs> mainly because it's uh, reverse Flash. I said Zoom, but Zoom was season two. And then number one is going to be Arrow season two for the great season of bringing Deathstroke in as its main villain. That was Arrow at its peak. And as close as season five came to be a nice rebound, it still didn't quite reach the height of season two. So that's why I'm going to put that as my favorite. I know um, you've seen a handful of season days. Yeah. So <laughs> Less than a handful. <laughs> <laughs> um so flash season one um and then arrow season one season two got it yeah <laughs> that sounds right <laughs> yeah um season three kind of dropped uh, the ball yeah right. that's where it started <laughs> the downturn unfortunately <laughs> so this season's looking good though i gotta say oh good good um but jordan's second question is do you think that Jason will die on Titans? And if so, how far into the show do you think it will happen? I'm thinking that it will eventually happen in Season 2 or Season 3 once Dick has transitioned into Nightwing, but probably off-screen. As we know from Gotham that WB, um, or we know that from Gotham, that WB edicts that don't allow for a full-on Joker in live-action TV. So I'm guessing we'll see the ramifications of it, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there's no other reason why you would bring that character in. If you think about it, yeah, um, that character is pretty much known for that story, mm-hmm. and yeah, that that's the only reason why you would you would uh, bring that character in. Uh, I've only read one other comic with Jason Todd in it, and that was um, uh, the for the man who has everything, which is not even a Batman story. So. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think eventually he will be killed off. Like you said, Dan, that's kind of what he's known for. And I just think it could be great character arcs for on a lot of levels with obviously depending how much Jason is in this series. Be, I'm, that's what I'm curious about is how much we're going to see of him to see if like seeing him die will kind of be like an emotional gut punch of gut punch of getting to know the character over the course of the series. But even, even if he's not in it so much, just seeing Dick Grayson's reaction to it, I think it's going to be really interesting to see play out. And then, like I said before, the hope for me is to have Tim Drake come into the show and then make him have him transition into Robin to see how uh, his relationship with Dick Groves and Bruce and all that. So it's definitely interesting. And I forgot to mention this, too. Um, it looks like we're going to see Batman eventually in Titans because there were some leaked uh, costume test uh, images that came out of someone trying on the bat suit. The bat suit was nothing to write home about, really. <laughs> Obviously, just a test footage thing but the fact that they're planning to have batman in the show which you know makes sense obviously since he's going to be 
such a you know focal point as Dick characters in the show, it's going to make sense to eventually see him. So we'll see. I'm convinced, but, Tim, that the only reason why you like Tim Drake is because his name is Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like me and uh, Dane DeHaan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've said before, Tim Drake is never my favorite Robin. It's always been Dick Grayson, but he's my second favorite. So Yeah, yeah sure, and, sure, Tim. <laughs> not going to lie, it is cool having a Robin be, have to share your first name. So yeah. <laughs> that is always something cool. <laughs> yeah, no character is named Dane. There was that. I remember one issue we reviewed on here a while ago. Right, right. There, there was, was like, like a, a thug. Yeah, like a person. <laughs> <laughs> he like got beat up. <laughs> yeah, so at one... least you're in some Batman story, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> it's only uh, Dane Dahan as um, uh, Harry Osborn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Still waiting for that breakout comic book character with the name Dane. Yeah. You got you to create it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> But that's it for Jordan's email. He closes it out by saying Klana forever. I guess he's taking a break from uh, the bat cat. Oh, bat forever. cat. Yeah. Oh, so, so, oh, yeah, right. Because nearing the end of the year, Tim. Mm-hmm. So we have to think that's about true. new names. Yeah, we got to start thinking about it. Yeah. Because January will be here before you know it. <laughs> right. But yes, that's going to do it for Jordan's email. And we can now go into our comic book reviews, which for this one's just going to be Batman number 55. And as always, got to throw out the spoiler warning out there as we're going to be going into details on what goes on in this book and something big happens at the end. So if you haven't read it, you might want to hold off and then come back and hear what I have to say about it once you do read it. And our rating scale for this episode, um, what should it be, Dane? Thinking. Hmm. See, I was Thinking about the yeah. Lord of the Rings stuff, I think we've done that before, though. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Um, man, I'm uh, for once. I mean, I've made it through 163 of these. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time I don't have any idea what the what the name can be. Yeah, nothing ready to go right from the right yeah, off the bat. Yeah. Maybe well, um, trying to think of uh, Jaws video. movies that. Uh, Jaws Man. movies that Jordan will regret seeing besides the first one. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so I guess we'll do a last minute one where. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's, if the, if I say the name wrong, it doesn't sound good right off the bat when I, the scale just cause it's last minute. I'll attribute yeah. it to that. <laughs> <laughs> but Batman number 55, this one is pretty much telling two stories going out at the same time. It starts off with uh, someone going to the airport, arriving in Gotham, and ends up being the KGBs, uh, but he's not in costume. He's just there as a citizen. Then it goes between him and what he's doing, arriving in Gotham, going to a hotel, uh, getting something to eat and leaving a note, picking up a firearm. And then like this, throughout the course of the comic, we see him go through those different aspects while he's in Gotham. That, that goes back and forth to what Batman and Nightwing are doing. And right off the bat, the second page is a full page artwork of Batman and Nightwing running across the rooftops of Gotham with the back signal in the back background. The artwork's done by Tony Daniels in this issue. And, you know, we've, we've always said how he's not, didn't get into much of his comic stories as a writer, but man, he's still a great artist and it's on display here in this issue. There's some great pages here. And the, this one I'm talking about, just a nice homage to that Jim Lee hush cover of Batman and Nightwing running on the building. It's like 
almost the same poses, but they're in different positions. Like Batwing, Batman's up front, Nightwing's in the background. I believe it was the opposite on the Jim, Jim Lee one, but you could just tell it's an obvious homage to that. It was pretty cool to see. And what's great about this issue is just more of that great Nightwing, Dick Grayson banter with Batman and Bruce Wayne. Nightwing's still telling tons of jokes and Batman's not really having it. Just over the course of this issue, you see him going through taking down uh, some like mummy zombies and Dick is always there trying to give some puns. And even asked Batman, he's like, you never tre- appreciated my puns. <laughs> like you never make any puns. And Batman's like, oh, you're right. <laughs> you like um, just saying that, you know, when I punch people, I have to say funny. Like, I don't have to say funny things or Dick says, I have to say funny things while I do it. And Batman's like, you don't have to say like it's, <laughs> Batman. Dick goes, it's hard for me not to. And Batman's all, it's not hard. So just that back and forth. I just love reading between these two characters. And that was played out throughout most of the issues. But my favorite one is one Nightwing is trying to convince Batman that, you know, you called me chum on several occasions. Like, I know you did. Like, you've had to say, this is quite the mystery chum, or I'm sure you recognize that dirt chum. And Batman's all, nope, never. <laughs> and this is kind of ignoring him. And then Nightwing's all, or, I used to think, like, you were saying that. It made me feel good because you were regarding me as a friend. But, like, maybe you were just saying that because, you know, it's I know chum is a word for smelly old fish and, Maybe that's what you're making fun of me as. And Batman goes, well, your costume you know, would stink sometimes. <laughs> and I was all, I knew it. And so, like I said, more of that great stuff. And then finally, as uh, the last bit we see with them is Nightwing offering up a little contest between him and Batman. So you can jump the longest from roof to roof without using uh, their bat rope. And Nightwing's kind of egging him on. Batman doesn't want to do it. It's like, this isn't a game. This isn't a contest. And Batman finally agrees to it, but I mean, just like saying, you know, only doing it because this is because Nightwing kind of tries to sell it. This will be a good training exercise type thing to see if we can handle it. Okay, like that's the only Batman goes. That's the only reason I'm going to go along with it. So they do that, and Nightwing's about to call him out. You know, he goes, "Hey, come on, old man, you're getting tired." And then we see Batman use his grapple, but then it's because the bat signal shining in the sky, and so they have to make their way over to see Gordon on the rooftop. And as they make their way to the rooftop. KGB's is making his way in the hotel. He like talked someone in convincing him he lives or he's visiting someone, but he ends up just murdering the person who was in the hotel room and going to his window, sets up a sniper rifle, gets into position. And at this point you just figure I'm thinking that, you know, Batman and Nightwing are doing their own thing and we'll see what KGB's is up to and who he's after. That's something unrelated to what Batman and Nightwing are doing, finding some mummies, <laughs> obviously. But then Jim tells him um, they found this note in a hot dog restaurant where KGBs was at, and it just says, um, who's afraid of the Joker with a question mark that's oversized. And then Batman reveals it's the anniversary of the end of the war of jokes and riddles. And Gordon tells him, well, Joker and Riddler are still in Arkham, or at least they're supposed to be. And he says he's having them checked. And then Nightwing still having some fun here. He goes, ah, see, this is the fiendish plot of napkin man he goes that's the problem with napkin man he just doesn't and he doesn't finish that sentence the next page is nightwing getting shot in the head and then we see that is from kgb's in the window shooting him with that sniper rifle and i was like oh shoot <laughs> like i was not expecting that to happen and then we don't see batman's reaction to that all we see the uh, comic ends was a nine page panel layout of just kgb's in the window, like closing it, looking out, putting the gun away. And then we just see 
uh, Gordon in the word balloon saying like, get a medical team to the roof. Like, and like now, and he says, I want the cops because he's supposed to make it like you're hearing KGB is hearing him say that through the window. Once he shuts it, that's the last we hear of Gordon. So I wanted to, can't wait to see Batman's reaction to this because obviously we know Dick Grayson is not going to die from this. I think, I'm not too sure, but stuff like future solicitations of Nightwing comics are saying that he might have memory loss or amnesia. Maybe this is, obviously would be a good reason to have that if he's shot in the head. So even though I'm expecting him to survive, I just can't wait to see Batman's reaction to this. And I think this is what's going to be that get, gets him out of the funk he's in right now with Catwoman leaving him, seeing you know his pretty much his oldest son get shot in the head. And just what's that gonna, what's that's going to do to Batman? I mean, I just can't wait to find out, have him go after the KGBs. I think it's going to make for some more great character moments with Batman and Dick Grayson and just the relationship as that father and son dynamic play out in these next few issues from Tom King. So I'm really excited about that. So this issue uh, was a lot of fun. Just the banter with Nightwing going off against Batman's seriousness was really fun as always. Beautiful art. So I'm going to give it four out of five uh, Jaws sequels movies that Jordan's going to regret seeing. And I'll just add something else to that, regardless of what Smallville directors are involved. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. And as always, I'll throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. All right. Just go to the BatmanUniverse.net on Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse. Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse. Um, the show's Twitter handles at Batman's Podcast. Tim's Twitter handles at timg 311 my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. You can email the show at BestFansWithOutPants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our bat and video game hearts. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs>